Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. everyone welcome to the OFT podcast i'm your host joshua Bowles, site manager emperor supreme warlord and defender of the faith over at onefootdown.com on the sp nation network and joining me tonight once again is the podcast legend jude seymour and the chief inspector brenda mcclendon fellas i just got a brand new cordless vacuum well this this badass shark thing that we were told was better than a dyson and i gotta tell you Number one, it is pretty freaking amazing. It's it's awesome. But number two, like vacuums and toasters are basically the the only things in life that are ride or die anymore. Like when do you replace a vacuum? Only when yours breaks. When you replace a toaster, only when it breaks. There's not too many items like that. When do you replace a quarterback? Uh, it just mm. keeps they keep breaking. Uh, so. Uh, lately, yeah, it seems I, that uh, I, I, only when one breaks. I love <laughs> lately, cord- it's only when one breaks. I love cordless vacuums until I'm inevitably vacuuming my car and I'm like right into the groove and it dies. And I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'm waiting a half an hour to finish the last section here. Oh, no, this is this is a fucking Billy Badass uh, cordless one. This thing will go, man. So yeah, I wouldn't, and then in about two screw years, the lithium-ion battery will uh, hold a charge for about twenty minutes, which, and uh, which is fine, which is fine because we will. I'll just or just get a new battery. Yeah, just get a new battery. Those reasons, I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to buy a, a second battery anyway, just to have uh, at the stand and ready. Just like uh, I am a proud. Uh, I talk it up. Say all you want about your uh, outdoor power tools. And I know there's several different brands, but the Black & Decker 
everything with the one battery shit, that's fantastic. Like I just got batteries floating all over the place. I don't even know what's charged and what isn't. I'll be doing, <laughs> I'll be doing, doing projects, ch- cutting down trees, putting fences together, just keep on sliding out of my battery. They know the better or not. That was the, that's that's the be- best part about batteries. We don't need gas. We don't. I don't need four fifty a, a gallon. No, of course not. So didn't oh Ritter? I think he got one of the uh, the battery powered mowers. I've been interested in one of those. That's another thing people never never uh, get rid of. That's a ride or die. I have an automower. Did you not know that? Oh no, it was yeah. Maybe it was you that had that. Yeah. Jude's got the Jude's got the the, the robot one. The, yeah. Oh, you got the robot though, not not the not the push uh, one. Oh no, no, I, I don't push anything. Yeah. <laughs> How's that look? How's your lines look? It's so funny because it, it it cuts like a drunk uncle. It like it literally has no rhyme or reason that seems to make any sense. <laughs> but because it cuts like for, a, I think it's like sixteen or eighteen hours a day. Like it just it, eventually it look, just looks immaculate. So there's somebody in my neighborhood that has one, and it uh, cuts like a drunk uncle. Uh, cuts for sixteen hours a day, and it does not look immaculate. It just oh no, it looks like. <laughs> Uh, it looks like um, Ripley's haircut in uh, Alien 3. <laughs> well, that's what uh, my, you know, the neighbors that were suing me over the fence. Uh, the one son was always, always flying into the driveway pissed off because he had to go mow the yard again because they haven't, they haven't sold the house yet. And it's like, I have not mowed in the last three weeks. You have mowed 12 times. What are you doing? And you're mad about it. I don't know. Maybe he's maybe he's mowing off his grief. I'm not gonna not gonna trample on that. But I mean, he looked pretty pissed about having to be there and mow. And I'm looking around like, what are you mowing? Get with it, man. With it. Yeah. Everybody should get with it. Notre Dame should get with it. Four and three, Notre Dame coming off of a not backdoor cover against <laughs> UNLV. Uh, I th- I thought they had the cover there for a minute. I just Josh it was there. Remind, remind me again what the final score was. I don't know. What was it? You don't know? How many points did uh, UNLV score? Oh yeah, yeah. They did. They did. Did, they did you say they their, scored? I think it's twenty-one points. They scored six. I thought. <laughs> would you be incredulous yeah. that they scored twenty-one points? Would you say before the game you would have never thought in a million years they would have scored? I'm not, and in, I'm not and sure why you're so offended fellow co, co, uh, co-podcaster feel bad about select, suggesting a 37-21 final score in which that was actually I mean, the score of the game until about five minutes left in the game. Was it not? Oh, but it, so, so then it wasn't. But I can't believe you, you really <laughs> felt that bad, huh? No, I mean, it just I, 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 was, I, I, I thought your, it was your funny. Whole, your whole tone. Your whole tone was like very butthurt, and I was just trying to figure out why it was so butthurt. Well, you just you you shit all over my analysis. You said there's no way in hell. I that shit all over everything. Yeah, somebody tells me their sandwich is good. They, they, they got the wrong mayo on. I was gonna shit on it. I'm a fucking I'll tell you what. Over here, taking the over 47 was the best thing that ever happened to me. So I'm glad that no one talked me that, out of that one. I thought the over was easy. Oh, easy enough. Well, Brendan, you know, pregame, Brendan kind of got took, me scared because he's like, Brendan's like nothing's guaranteed in this game. And I was like, maybe, maybe they got out like a 24, six game. And I just, I'm like, ugh, you know, 
they left so many goddamn points on the field. They sure did. It was did. ridiculous. They sure it's, did. At least, Free, at, at least Freeman said it. At least he said, <laughs> we're a good football team that does not play like that. Because that's the only way to describe Notre Dame this year. They're not terrible. They're not 2007 level. They're not 2016 level. This is a better team than 2016. It's just you're not playing better. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, what the? There's just moments in each game. And I think that's what it boils down to. There are just moments where it's just like you have no idea what the hell you're watching or getting out of it. The, the fact that Drew Pine cannot see anybody other than Michael Mayer, it's getting worse and worse and worse. Like it's, 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 it's borderline stalkering stalker. Like right now, it's like he should have a restraining order. At least Brayden Lindsay has a right to sue. You know what? For- I'm, I'm actually pretty cool with him finding Michael Mayer uh, when Michael Mayer is like, I don't know, open and not say covered by three dudes with Brayden Lindsay running free well, on course. the other side. That's yeah. what starts pissing me off. So, well, I mean, you get, you get well, one, is- but you also get the other is the problem. Cause he's going to be open sometimes, right. but then he's like, when you only have eyes for one person, uh, sometimes, yes, they will be open. Sometimes teams forget yeah. that he plays the game of football, like BYU, um, but then there's other teams like Stanford, North Carolina in North Carolina, but then there's teams like Stanford, uh, that realize that number 87 is someone perhaps we should, we should cover. And then they do. And they did well. And, uh, Notre Dame uh, pays for it. Yeah. My biggest beef is when, uh, like Braden Lindsay and Michael Mayer are both open. Go to, go to Lindsay for Christ's sakes, divvy it out, go deep. But I, I just, yeah, but you have to be able to there's no Lindsay. way that there's no way that he's seeing him. A, he can hit him. Dude, he's overthrowing him. Yeah, but he can't. Like, hit that's him. the very definition of can't hit. Yeah, because right? he can't hit him. Well, true. Like, well, well, they dialed, dialed up the same. They dialed up the same play that you can't short. They dialed up the same play that worked in the. I don't know if it's the same play, but it would have been the same result. But it was the same result that would have happened as the um, the Fiesta Bowl. With uh, Tyree coming over the right. middle, wide open in the end zone for an easy six, uh, and I, I don't did he did he hit him? Narrator, he shit. I think he needed to put some more air under it. Oh my god, don't you gear at me on this podcast? <laughs> I think he needed to put some more air under that one. Um, it it was a very frustrating watch. Not very entertaining in the sense that you, 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 there's just so many mistakes you could point out that that, that stood out. And <clears throat> I mean, and to be quite honest, if you're watching, uh, it wasn't it wasn't Peacock, y'all. It's fucking it's Collinsworth and uh, Jason Garrett. They are they're terrible. That that is a absolutely dreadful combination. Terrible fucking noise coming out of the out of whatever box you're watching the word divot was said 65 times at least i i, I couldn't get i mean i'm still I, I mean i might have to go fucking get therapy uh for for that watch but no, it was just it was rough man the, the missed tackles were just atrocious again um it's bad i mean and then you know Fos, fosky's bit well, then Fosky has his big day, right? And what's the first thing we do? 
us three and Greg were running to the DMs and we're cracking jokes to each other about, about, of course he's getting his numbers today. These are where his numbers exist. Had no stats, man. I mean, he's up to uh, what? Like tied for 32nd in the, the nation in sacks. He's in the top half of the, I mean, there's only, he's two off the sack lead now. Right. I think the guy who leads the nation in sacks got eight sacks. He's behind the EMU kid, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Well, he's yeah, hurt. He, he put himself right up in the, the mix for, um, you know, sack numbers for end of season consideration for, for leading the nation in sacks. There's, I'll uh, give him credit. At least at least he padded his sacks. He is. 20, yeah, at least he padded it. And you know what? But, like, that's that's the thing about this game that uh, you're supposed I, to I, do. You're supposed to do, and you know what? Games like this happened. This isn't a Marcus. This the game like this isn't like a Marcus Freeman thing because this is what happens in when you play opponents like this, and perhaps you're not like jazzed up and um, super crisp about it. And it would have been forgivable, and we would have all been a bit a little bit excited, being like, "Well, you know, we won by 23, didn't cover. That sucks, but you know, we blew them out. Haha, this is great." The problem is, is that you have to consider that the week before they looked like utter horseshit, and we expected to, them to come out and look crisper than they did, and then they didn't. I mean, right. they did what they were supposed to do in this football game, which is win comfortably and win. You know, without any any real doubt of this game, you know, being in contention. But that's not what we needed this game to be because of what happened the week before. We needed this game to be the 60s right. that it should have been. And it's so weird because UNLV didn't run. They didn't have a single drive more than three plays long in the entire first half. And it went well into the third. I think it was uh it was no. it was a thing. I think I think it was the second drive in on the third. You know, I was paying. So, but at any rate, the amount of points Notre Dame left on the board just in the first quarter alone was disgusting. Like this should have been this legit should have been a 42-45 nothing game at fucking halftime. Yeah. That's that's the level of it. And that's yeah, I think we saw I saw I think we saw Blake Groupie about three times more than we than we should have seen him. I remember that thinking that like, oh yeah, good. And he missed one. Ball. And he missed one, yeah. yeah so was, if this was Brendan, if this was a good game to pad your stats, then certainly um former all American Brandon Joseph made quite the impact, right? Uh yeah, I think he was probably he had ten of the most impactful plays. Oh, he was hurt. Yeah, he nope. was hurt. Why was he on? He why was, was he, he was? Why was he returning punts at the end of the football game? Then yeah, exactly. I don't. Uh, he, he returned punts the whole game. Freeman, what Freeman said it either in the post game presser or, or on Monday. I can't. Remember, I thought it was in the post game presser, uh, but said that he was dinged up, and so what they did, but they wanted. They didn't want to get. They didn't want to. They didn't want to take away the hands that he has. Uh, on the punt team. Look it what up. The f- what Dicked the up. fuck is that? It's the, it's the exact. It's the exact opposite of of what you've known your whole life. No, 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 no. This is it, it, so so the most dangerous play in sports, right? Like the, the, the punt yeah, return. Right. What the fuck. What are you fucking? This this program and it's it's not Marcus Freeman. Kelly did it too. Like. It is too dangerous for Kyle Hamilton to play offense, but we're gonna put him as <laughs> gunner on a fucking punt. Like, what are you doing with what about punt? The entire punt process makes you immune to getting injured in the coach's. Yeah, you're going to have to find what you're going to have to find the uh, 
you have to find the uh, the script for uh, for that. But it was it was either the Monday or the postgame presser. He, yeah, he had, no, he, I, I found it. Wow. it says um, I'm reading on three uh, reporting from 12 hours ago that said tra- transfer safety Brandon Joseph has played just 10 snaps all in the first half. Head coach Marcus Freeman said Joseph got quote unquote nicked up, which limited his ability to contribute on defense. He was still Notre Dame's primary punt return all afternoon, which is a good sign as far as the status goes for the game versus Syracuse. We wanted to keep him out in terms of defense, friend Freeman said of Joseph. He still went back there and returned punts, did a good job, but that was a nick. He'll be good to go this week. So you left him in a position where he could get absolutely murdered? Where instead of hitting people, he yeah. was the hitty. And it wasn't just like he was back there I, doing John Goodman. He was he was I running know you balls two, back. I know, you two are, I know you two are just hearing this for the first time. And it's a little shocking and you're getting a little angry about it. I got to tell you, I'm, I'm cool with it. I look, what has Brandon Joseph done this year? Returned punts for like an average of five What the yards. hell's a Nick though? I want to know what the Nick is. What does that mean? <laughs> uh, like, you know, newborn intensive little, care. Stinger. Newborn little intensive stinger. Care. Maybe, maybe got a, maybe got a, well, I guess that's a, he, he explained what a deep thigh bruise was. Somebody else had one of those, but I mean, Look, Brandon Joseph hasn't exactly been anything that we had hoped he'd be. Not even, not even mid. Uh, so if they would use that as an excuse to trot out, uh, get some more reps, have some other safeties against a team they were pretty confident they were going to beat, regardless of I understand how that looks considering what has happened to our name this year. I don't mind it. I don't mind it. I mean, the only thing Brandon Joseph has really done this year is he knocked Jackson Smith and Jigba out of the game, right? Yeah, that's it. I, I mean, that's a big thing. That was a big thing. Uh, but that was it. That's pretty much it. So I don't oh, mind can't. it. And maybe, I, you know, and it, listen, it, it honestly, honest to God, saying he got nicked up a little bit could be just a coach's way of not embarrassing a starter who lost his spot that week. You know, you see what I'm saying? So who did he lose his spot to? Joshua? I don't know. know. Yeah, who who did he lose it to? (laughs) Give me the snap count. Yeah, yeah. Who who did he lose it to? um, Because that is embarrassing because that player is uh, functionally a ghost. A ghost. ghost. (laughs) I mean, Houston is a city that has existed in the United States. That, That we do. That we do know. Oh boy, oh boy. No, I'm just putting that out there. Nick Duffy beat at a season-high six returns for 67 yards in the punt game. Fantastic. Like, a, Listen, none of, nothing in this game made sense. So so let me ask you this, because I, I think even more criminal than the Brandon Joseph playing special teams but not starting at safety was the fact that Logan Diggs had 28 fucking carries. Yeah. Listen, everyone well, wanted to praise. Boy, estimate can't hold on to the fucking football, so let's start there. Well, I'm not. Yeah. Well, I'm not. That that means nothing to me in this sense. And everyone wanted to like, you know, they they everyone wanted to praise Logan Diggs for his 28 carries for 130 yards, or whatever it was. It's like 4.6 a carry. Like you get the ball 28 times against UNLV's run defense, so, and Notre Dame was blocking pretty well. There were holes there that got. You're running dead. Like you should have, if you're running the ball 28 times as a running back against that, you should have had like minimum 165. 
Who, no. I'm not impressed with 28 for 130. I am not impressed. I'm I'm sorry. I mean, I'm impressed that he's still walking. How dare you? But, first of all, for just like well, I think Joshua signed up for the Chris Tyree fan club at 199 dollars. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I would like to say, <laughs> how dare you? Picks, didn't I? Because the greatest running back who's ever graced this planet Earth, Casey Filkins ran 32 times for 91 yards against Notre Dame. And it was some of the hardest, most impressive running I've ever seen in my See, professional that must, career. That, that, must, that must be what uh, what's really sticking out. People praising Logan Diggs for doing a mid. <laughs> I mean, it's it, – it, I mean, come on, man. 28 carries against that defense. What was the you long? You couldn't have broke off. It was like a long 12. I don't know. Drew like Pine had the long, didn't he? Drew Pine had it, the long. He had the 21. only run over 20. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. But he had, he had 16 or 12. Yeah, I think it was a 16 yard carry. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. It just it's, it just wasn't that impressive. And I went back and watched it and watched saw space and like saw like walking. Like you ran it. And listen, if that's the, if that's the route you need to go, because estimate can't hold on to the football and tire. But. You got to split the fucking carries. You just murdered a guy against the UNLV. Which is your prime a game paint? that you won by somebody. Fucking put Sherwood Davis back there. Put Mitchell Evans back at quarterback and just keep running the fucking triple. Just run the option with Mitchell Evans. I don't know, but you're killing the guy that you're that who was injured beforehand, who wouldn't even take a blocker on in the first game of the season because of a shoulder. I mean, it's look. I'm not trying to drag Diggs under the bus, and I know that's what this sounds like. But I'm just saying I am not impressed with 28 carries for 130 yards against UNLV. That is not that just that that is a very Charlie Weissian way of running the football. That is not impressive at all. And, and the fact that they just kept giving him the rock, if SMA is going to be a problem moving forward, holding on to the football, then you're going to have to split that ball up a little bit more between him. Tyree could have had the same carries as you could have gave Tyree six or seven of those Logan Diggs carries. It wouldn't have mattered. I mean, towards the end, they're just handing it off to get the fuck off the field. Anyways. I mean, you weren't trying to really do anything. They would had what, like 11 runs in a row, 12 runs in a row. Here's, here's something fun for you. Um, he had two rushes more than 10 yards out of that 28. He had, a 14, he had a 14 and a 16 yard run. That is an ex- he had more rushes of zero yards than he did over 10 yards. And 28 carries. I don't know, man. I'm not a big believer in, I mean, they flat out and look, if that's your coaching philosophy, that's fine. You got to get the point across. That's fine because it's been, it's been obvious the last few games, but I am not, the, I am not the coach that would have sat Estebe. Like you fumbled and like been done with him. Now he came back out. He did some blocking and all that. He, it wasn't like he, he was bench benched, but they never gave him the rock again. Number one, I find fault in that coaching. I want to work the shit out of him. Like against that at opponent. Some point they're going to. Yeah. yeah. Because now, yeah. now the Especially, next time he touches the football, it's going to be against Syracuse and he's going to have all kinds of doubts. You didn't let him work it out. Yeah. That's what I guess. That's where I'm at. That's I find fault in that. And you, again, 28 carries for digs. You couldn't have dialed that back to like 19 or 20 and then split the other eight or nine up with Tyree and, 
And Estime, I mean, Estime had three carries for 17 yards and the fuck and a rushing touchdown. I mean, yes, he fumbled. He came out of a spin. Look, it's bad. It's it's not like he's got fucking butterfingers. Two of the fumbles this year have been flat out helmet on ball. Like, that sucks. That's a hard one to fucking. Those are hard ones to deal with it. I'll say this. If only they drilled that in practice. If only they drilled that in practice, because I kind like, of remember. Do, do, man. <laughs> no. What was your no, favorite? What was your favorite fumble in the Autry Denson era? I'll hang up and listen. Oh no. my god! Because uh, you're gonna get no pushback for me on that. Remember, remember Absolutely how no they didn't have helmets back then? How the other team didn't have helmets? <laughs> I listen, I am not saying that I'm saying it's just unfortunate because both of those are just, those are, that isn't a guy stripping him. That was a helmet on ball. And maybe estimates too strong. If I mean that, like the fucking ball pops out, you get yeah. hit. He's always kind of ran with it a little out. bit weird, like uncomfortable though. He's always held it a little. uncomfortable. Well, watch that touchdown it. run one more time against UNLV. And you know, it's on his mind because he holds on to the fuck on that ball with nobody around him. Like he's doubling, he's doubling up, rolling over with nobody near him. And that comes from a week of that's, you know, maybe that's why they were like, we're done. Cause that probably came from a week of like hitting that home and practice. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then did you go out? You had that touchdown and you're hold you're, you're double. You got both, both hands on the ball. You rolled over on it. You know, six points of contact, and then ten minutes later, you put it on the ground. So, I get it. I'm just saying, 28 carries for Logan Diggs is too much. You had that had to have been coached better than to throw him out. Because if that's your number one cat, you just murdered him against UNLV. Against UNLV. My God. And it it also. Not to, to, to get off the personnel decision-making, and I'm not going to beat the Merriweather horse because I don't think that needs to be beaten anymore, but... No, no. Not when Brady Lindsay's wide open you, half the time. Right. You got... Uh, one of the problems I had, a big problem I had, is that there was the play where Drew Pine was clearly and very obviously hit with targeting penalty. Uh, didn't throw the flag, didn't kick the player out. That was some bullshit. Absolutely fucking horseshit. Absolutely um, horseshit. The staff did a great job of recognizing took a timeout. That should have been reviewed, man. It should have been reviewed. Yeah. They the told staff, they told him they didn't need to review it. Horseshit. When they asked Free, when they asked Freeman about that, that is like um, absolutely contrary to what the NCAA has been emphasizing for more than five years now. Yeah. I'll, but the staff I'll did a good fi- job. I'll find it, but the staff did a good job of taking pine out of that game because he wanted to stay in and they did a good job of taking him out of that game, putting him in the tent and making him go through. And I don't know if that's a post to a thing we, in the post to a world or whatever, but the staff did a good job of recognizing that and putting player safety there and doing their due diligence with it. Uh, but in that interim, the fact that they did not allow Steve Angeli to throw a pass was absolutely criminal. I don't yeah, know if they bad. thought that later on in the game they were going to be able to get him into the football He's, game. He did say pass. that. He did say that. He, but Freeman did say that. And then, yeah, he was like, they scored that. He he was going to put Angeli in and to throw the ball, and then UNLV scored, 
that touchdown and they said that that came off the that off the table. And I'm still thinking, why? All you're doing I, is handing the fucking the football is, though, off anyways. I honestly don't think Steve Angeli could blow that game for you, even if he throws a pick six at 30 to seven. So what? It's 30 to 14. Then you right. bring time yeah, back. Yeah, we're, we're, we're not fighting uh, style points and rankings right now. No. You know, a W is a, du- a W, a W, right? Like a W is a W, no matter how you get it. Like we may come on this podcast and the rest of the beat may, you know, we may drag them through the mud a little bit uh, in the press. But there's no, there's no harm, no foul. You know, there's no blood, no foul. If you like muck it up to get some work in, like you're not battling in that top 15, like positioning yourself to, to be in a spot for a college football playoff. That's, that's fucking gone. So it doesn't really matter how you win. It does not matter how you win, but it does matter how you develop while you're winning. Like get the win, but you got, and look, there's, there's just no way. Look at, Pine was, Pine was blasted. He's gonna get blasted again. There's no way in Sam Hell that we're gonna go the rest of the season and Angeli's not gonna be called upon to help them win a football game. And you're not gonna, you're not gonna pull the, you're not gonna let him pull the trigger against fucking UNLV. Yeah, I thought that was a great. And, I, and please know that this is not me saying Angeli should be starting over Pine. That is not that conversation. I'm saying you need to get him ready to play when you need him because Pine's going to get blown up at some and, point. And you know what? And, and frankly, uh, and you got to no, so you can't, you can use the hook if you really do need to, because if Pine can't fucking see a guy flying down wide open down the field, if he's, and he missed many, missed him either throwing or not seeing him, that calls for a hook. We have now gone two straight weeks uh, where the combined completion percentage is below 50%. He was 50. He was 14 of 28 last week. And the week before against Stanford, he was 13 of 27 for 48. You combine those numbers. That is below 50% completion rate. And when you are a quarterback that does not have the ability to consistently hit the ball downfield, your saving grace, absolutely 100% needs to be a high completion percentage. And if you cannot do that, you are not adding anything to this offense. I mean, that's that's exactly what got Brandon Wimbush sacked, right? was just like, he couldn't even complete the screen passes. Right. And so we were, I think we were praising pine when it was, when it was, you know, when he was doing 75 plus against BYU and in, in North Carolina, but we haven't seen that pine now in two weeks. And I don't know that he's coming back and I don't know why he left. Well, he left because he was completing 75% of his passes to Michael Mayer and they were allowing Michael Mayer to catch 75% of those passes. I mean, you just, all you yeah, need to do is to yeah, clamps you, down on him. You just need to look at the targets for Mayer and the, number of completed to mayor and you get the snapshot 12 targets to mayor six completions that's why he's completing 50 percent of his passes because almost and I think he, just say he has no trust yeah i just and he has no i don't think he has any trust at all in anybody else i i you know you're watching styles draft another one on saturday that was just on third down right to him hit him right in the fucking numbers and you know, a, a quarterback is going to remember that. That's just not something, you know, that doesn't just come out of blue. That you, that is in Pine's brain now. Like that guy's going to drop it. He's been dropping it. You know, just like, I mean, that's, 
dropping a pa- dropping a pass like that on third down is damn near like a goddamn fumble. Yeah, that hit you well, in the damn numbers, and that should be your ball. Now you're punting. And and that's as bad as a fumble. To go back to the Stanford game, targeted Mayer ten times, five catches, fifty percent passing. If if he cannot complete passes, to Michael Mayer, he's going to be sub fifty percent completion. That's that's just the way that this offense is going to work moving forward. I mean, if you go to the BYU game, right? Uh, Fifteen targets to Mayer, eleven completions, seventy nine percent completion rate. I, I think I think a bigger. And I, th- I think we've got past the um, – I mean, I, I hope people are at least a little bit. Like, I think we're past the whole Tommy Reese play calling thing. Like, it's not the play calls. Like, the plays are there. It is just – we are not – it is 100%. We are – not 100%. It's like 90% Notre Dame is not executing, and 95% of that is because of the quarterback play. Plain and simple. No, I just I disagree. I just I mean, look, every play is going to look great when you're playing a group of five defense. But um, that doesn't excuse some of the just horseshit play calls that we saw against Stanford that were mind boggling bad. Yeah. Just because he got he got he did. That was bad. Yes. Okay. For, yeah. Stanford, for Stanford was bad. Now, I will say Marcus Freeman and Tommy Reese cannot throw the ball for Drew Pine. So, yes, of course, I, I assigned a, a certain percentage to blame Pine and probably more than 50 percent. You're probably right. But. Ninety uh, percent is just too high for me. So when you score six, when you score fourteen points, um, it's not all on the quarterback. In no, college no, football, no, no, no. I, yeah, in college football, in the I, NFL, sure, but but in college football, yeah, was, I mean, you need to be consistently scoring north of twenty-one. That was a little hyperbole. Just try to prove a point that, like, the cat calling for, and that, what pisses me off is I hate cat calling for about play calls, and I hate cat calling about uh, putting quarterback, you know giving a hook to a quarterback. It's like the easiest, it's the easiest, most low hanging fruit that there possibly is. There's other things going on. I'm just saying throughout since BYU, you could see receivers running free, running wild and pie, not looking that way. But another issue, I think that the offense has right now that was working like, can we agree that North Carolina was probably the high point of the offense this year, right? I don't think obviously there ter- is a disagreement. Uh, obviously, a terrible defense, right? With that. Terrible defense. But what was one of the things, and not just that, but like, kind of like also against Cal in a way, which is a you know it's a, got a kind of pretty. It's got a, it's got a good defense. It's not great, but it's you know not terrible. Gamey. The thing that got them, yeah, they get what what got them out of the of this giant hole that they got themselves into was using the running backs in the passing game. How many targets did running backs get in UNLV in the passing game? Uh, give me five seconds and I'll give you the answer for that. Uh, the answer to that question is, um, mm, uh, what's, uh, what's 15 divided by zero? Uh, infinity. Zero. Uh, it's zero. Fucking zero. <laughs> and, I think if you go, I don't know what the what the BYU stats were. I'm not going to go back and look, but yeah, I think I remember game. after that game that what what is it? How many targets to to running backs in that game? Uh, BYU game. Uh, we're looking at Tyree had three targets. Estime had one target, four targets. So four targets out of what? Twenty six passes. Twenty passes. That's pretty good. And that's not too bad. 
That's more that's targets than any singular wide receiver had. <laughs> well, Thomas it's more had targets. Styles had three. It's way more targets than they got against UNLV. Like that, you just you can't just like you can't talk that away. That has to still be a part of your offense. Because look, let's face it, Drew Pine is short. He's not he's not seeing Braden Lindsay, who also isn't very tall. So maybe Merriweather does help because at least he can see his tall ass running down the field. But these are intermediate routes that he's hitting these guys on, you know, short to intermediate routes and, and having them uh, get some yak. I, if you got to go back to that, go back to that. You got to, it has to be mixed up. It has to be done. You go in a whole game without a single target to throw into the running back when that has been, when that has been what has helped your offense roll. Seems ridiculous to me. You're not going to find any dispute for me. I, I I would like them to take some of the heat off of Michael Mayer because it will make Michael Mayer a better player because then there's less focus on Michael Mayer. You cannot just continue to force the issue with Mayer and expect it to work because teams understand that that's what you want to do. And that's why the last two weeks have been abysmal in the passing game because they know what you want to do. And it's throw to Michael Mayer. The, you're not seeing Braden Lindsay. You're not hitting guys downfield. So if you need to to do something, um, use your yeah, use your running backs in the short passing game. And at the at the bare minimum, it'll at least pad his uh, completion percentage, but also give him some confidence and it'll open up the the field a little bit more because you're probably hitting them out on the outside and you're just opening up and using more of the field. Right now you're running it in the middle. You're hitting Michael Mayer in the middle um, and just let Drew Pine use the other parts of the field too, uh, that he can see better because there's not, you know, six foot eight, according to right. Joe Alt, offensive lineman in front of him. I mean, you had six, they had six possessions in the first quarter, six possessions. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. It's just, and I mean, well, so what was it? Um, 23 points in the, in the first quarter, right? Mm-hmm. Which normally you'd be like, all right, hey, 23 points, that's great, right? We got two touchdowns in the first quarter. We Especially haven't even got a touchdown yet. Six coming right. In the game. Right, but I mean, like, legitimately, I'm th- I'm going into the, I'm going into this game, and I think we said it on the pod, we're like, we have, and I, I just said, we're going to score at least two touchdowns in the first quarter. Like, that's hands down have to. Like, I went back and looked, you know, about all the opponents that happened with UNLV, this should have been at least a minimum four touchdowns scored in the in this in this first quarter, especially when you consider the. It's just bad. I mean, you had two field goal drives to the last two drives of the first quarter were f- four plays for five yards and four plays for four yards that ended up in field goals. You you ran the ball nine times. Eight, plays, average. eight plays nine, eight plays nine, nine yards six points. You ran the ball nine times in the first quarter and averaged 3.6 yards per carry. Yes. You went five of 12 passing for 94 yards. That's not great. Fast start. Yes. They got the touch. They got a six play 75 yard drive to start the game. And then they just right back to, to same old shit, same old shit. And their their own doing. They're absolutely their own doing. So, I mean, what's the score without Foskey's two punts blocks? The final score. Maybe 10 points left. 
34-21. There you go. Against UNO. Yeah. 34 points. It's not going to get it done. I mean, it's just, you want to cuss the defense out for giving 21 points. But look at that first half, bro. Look at that fucking first half. You had one one play that you giantly fucked up on. That was it. Three three plays minus five. Three plays, 75 yards, touchdown. And all, almost all of it came off of that big run on the cutback. Then three for three, three for four, three for minus 13, three for zero, three for minus seven, three for nine. Uh, and then two for 39. Uh, we got a fumble. Woohoo! Big turnover for us. Uh, and then three for ten. Those were that, that was UNLV's drives in the first half. Not great, Bob. You had fucking four drives of negative yardage. Like, I want to cuss the I want to cuss the defense out for t- piss poor tackling and allowing three touchdown drives of seventy five yards plus. But it's like. Man, you really did. You really did do enough there. I don't know. It's just it's there. The yin and yang ain't there. There is no balance. Nine three and outs for the goddamn game. That is insane. No team that has nine three and outs should be scoring twenty one points. No. That's in, but when you that's have a seventy five seventy five yard touchdown right. run, uh, right. Like Judy, like incredulous, like that's that's why. Like this doesn't make sense. If you just look at it, none of that makes sense. None of what we saw made sense. It was just like it just was. It was 2022. There's none of the, nothing in this no, nothing in this season is making any sense. Uh, but Notre Dame won 44-21. We'll take the dub. It puts them to four and three. You know, two wins away from being bowl eligible. That's important. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean I, it is. You're you need the practices. Yeah. I've already started seeing it crawl, creep up on the message boards. Uh, besides people saying that I'm a bad person. That, that you know, no bowl. Don't go. You know what? We don't want a bowl. Idiot. I am. Look, I can go to Twitter right now and talk all sorts of mad shit. And people think I'm an arrogant asshole about Notre Dame. Nothing is more arrogant than saying you're going to turn down a bowl game. Nothing is more arrogant than that. No one is above their bowl game. I think, no, I think whatever, whatever game it is, to be honest with you, I think that's a generational litmus test right there. I think, I think, you, I think it is. I think if you're think 50 you're right. and older, you fully believe in this whole thing. Whereas you and I both have, well, all three of us actually have really fond memories of the Hawaii bowl, which was a six and six team, just absolutely crushing it on Christmas Eve. So, um, I mean, yeah, I have five memories of like of just the student athletes who, regardless of us dragging them through the mud here, like getting a chance to end their season on a high note, like having some positive reinforcement going into the offseason. Like, that's good. Even, if, you know, even if they fucking lose like the champs fucking sports bowl is Florida State in 2013. I mean, you need the practices, man. You can't get those back. You can't just get that them out of a- nowhere. You, that is they a great need the reps. The pra- practices are important. So, I mean, it it, it set it sets you up for what you want to do with spring. Like you think, oh, we don't need that. We got spring ball coming up. No, those pra- those bull practices help set you up for what you're looking at in the spring. It makes things move easier. You need them. It's just 
it's one of those benchmarks in college football. And, and yes, there are so many bowl games. They don't mean they don't that don't mean shit. And that's fine. I can't believe we're talking about this. Yeah, go to it. Said that I feel like I could sleep through the first two hours of any Notre Dame Iowa uh, bowl game and not have missed a thing. No, there's a lot to. Well, you wouldn't miss you wouldn't miss anything, but I would be glued to the fucking TV. (laughs) I mean, I would be glued to it. I would be I would be living and dying with every uh, fumbled snap, uh, with every half yard (laughs) gained. Trust me. Trust me on that. It's not about Notre Dame. It's not about fumbled snaps or anything about that. I think what you're talking about, if if you're talking about uh, John Sott, Tory Taylor show <laughs> between those two, just launching punts between one another, it would be a punt off. With it could be the greatest. It could be the greatest. <laughs> Dan Rubenstein would be creaming his jeans. You, you know, Tory. You know, Tory Taylor. Card. Tory Taylor through seven games has 2,096 yards punting. I know he's dude. He's legitimately beating Sod out right now for, <laughs> for the mean, guy. And that is bullshit. That is, that is bullshit. I mean, just, just to put that into some context, like Notre Dame has 1300 yards punting. He's got 2000 yards punting through seven day games. That's insane. Oh, shit. You know, because we lost to Stanford, we couldn't even crack the jokes about about David Shaw punting on his own thirty-three yard line or on our thirty-three yard line. Like we lost, so that we had we we couldn't say anything. But God, when it happened, I mean, I I Ty Willingham smiled. He smiled somewhere. Uh, well, David Shaw was smiling. That's a that's that is a David. You know, Pat Fitzgerald was smiling. It was ridiculous. Yeah, and we also can't dunk uh, on the fact that they're giving out tickets for free now at Stanford. I know. I know. Dunk on that so uh, bad. It's such a fun program, too. Test ride. They're like out there like used car salesmen. That, like, Just come on, take People this. made fun of Michigan for giving out like free Pepsis. They're like, buy some Pepsi and get some tickets. Stanford's like, don't even buy the Pepsis. Please come. Please clap. <laughs> they are Jeb Bush of the shit out of this. They thing. are. Oh, my God. It's. Yeah, that's what sucks about losing more than more than the actual uh, stuff for the the team is my is my jokes get minimized. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I can't be I can't be as free as I normally am uh, as, as talking shit, which uh, Syracuse fans are <clears throat> trying to remind me of. But I'm trying to remind me what the fuck they have done over the last two decades that I could care less about. They had a 10 and three uh, season anyway. under Dino Babers. They had a loss for Coward. each cowardly. Maybe. They had a loss for each Coward. cowardly point that they scored against Notre Dame in that tilt. <laughs> hey, don't diss the camp. They made, they made the camping world world champions uh, before we did. So, you know, that's a, that's an accomplishment in and of itself. It is. It is. I hope, I hope they're proud of that. Hang the banner. All right, so we're gonna so now we're gonna do uh, to graciously uh, move on. Uh, but guys, I'm gonna get to some reviews. Oh, I just remind everybody right. get on over to Apple Pod, Apple Podcasts, leave a rating, leave a review. We will read it on the next OFT podcast. Brendan, what are we looking for, Chief? Uh, we are looking for those earned Julian Love five star reviews. Mmm, just sexy captain reviews. Sexy captain reviews. Um, all right. First one here. Got it from Big Wave Domer. Five stars. 
Joshua V is the best. I'm a lifelong Irish fan and grew up sneaking into Notre Dame Stadium with lots of other kids from the Harder Heights neighborhood. What a blast. This podcast is one I never miss as long as Joshua is on. He's hilarious, authentic, a diehard domer, and he always reminds us of why we love college football and how truly great and fun it is. It's supposed to be fun, even if our team is having a very rough year. Thanks, Josh. Brennan is good, too. I love how he calls lame teams hot trash, um, among the other funny-isms. I know everyone needs a foil, and I guess Jude is it. But hey, Jude, <laughs> you might want to listen to the to one of these pods and notice how many times you end the sentence with so and you know, which kind of makes you sound like a know-it-all. Thanks, guys, for the time you devote to Notre Dame, this pod, and OFD. It's kind of rugged out there uh, in this world these days, but you make it a little bit better. Go Irish. <clears throat> you so, know? you know. <laughs> Jude, you know what's actually funny about that? You know what? I, one of my pet peeves for my for my own self writing is when I write. We've talked about this before. The way I write, I'm not a good writer. I write the way I speak, which is not very <laughs> not very well itself. But I've put so in a lot of my articles. Like, like I'll, I'll have to go back and be like, oh, there's like four or five so's in there. I got to get those out of there. You ever think about you ever think about that when you podding? I think about well, I do have verbal tics. I, I'm I am aware of them sometimes. Obviously, I I like the word obviously. That's a verbal tick for me. Uh, we've talked about that one before. Um, now I'm in my head about all my verbal tics, and I won't be able to speak. But uh, yeah, I say the word <laughs> yeah a lot when I type out things. When I'm when I'm agreeing with somebody, there, there's a lot of yes. Uh, yeah, comma is a very um, a way that I start a lot of sentences when I'm re- like conversing with people. But, uh, you know, so, you know, sorry about that. <laughs> well, played. Uh, well, thank you very much. Big wave Domer. Uh, and they got one more here. Um, again, very long title. So I'm not exactly sure what, uh, what, it, what it was all supposed to say. It says it's five stars from Liz, uh, Liz Malone. It says 2006 Brady Quinn to Jeff Samarja versus I'm going to say UCLA vibes. This is my guess. So uh, here we go. Great podcast and very likable hosts. Unlike some other ND podcast hosts who are so arrogant to talk about what they would do if offered a job coaching at Notre Dame, you know who I'm referring to love the insight, realistic optimism and passion for ND. The podcast is full of excellent ND analysis and fun banner. The show always seems to fly by. It's a great listen. Thank you very much, Liz. Hell yeah. I thought maybe she was saying that our, our podcast is usually 48 minutes of hot trash followed by one minute and 30 seconds of excitement. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? If there's a minute of that's basically that's, you just that's accurate. The, you just described most football games, my main man. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be accurate. Big Ten, fo- Big Ten West football. <laughs> Oh God, we've had better games with Purdue. (laughs) (laughs) Oh shit. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks again. And like I said, get on over to Apple podcasts, leave that rating, leave a review, be a part of this show. All right, boys, time to move on. It's time to go for it's, it's time to go five and three time to do it. Heading out to the dome. 
the scene of a murder uh, from many years ago at the hands of Walter Reyes. Uh, we all know what it is. Uh, it's the Carrier Dome. It's not whatever the hell they want to call it now. Uh, it's Forever Carrier Dome. <laughs> JMA Wireless. You know it. No, it's not. How's the, no, it's how's not. the uh, Jude, how is the um, Wi-Fi in there, by the way? You know, the first game, it was not great. Every subsequent game, it's been perfect. I was going to say, if it kept up with the not great, it just it committed to the bit. It of committed being named after something that they're not good at. Right. They were the carrier dome, <laughs> and they were not air conditioned. Not no air conditioning in a in a dome named after an air conditioning company. It's check. See, that's see that's the giant issue I have with all these corporate sponsors. Like, that's a thing that existed for many many years. The carrier dome without air, air conditioning. Like that's a that's a college football thing that doesn't exist anywhere else. And now it's whatever. JMA, baby. It's just like the fucking NFL creeping in on creeping in on everything. What's like the every, all in the, the JMA? Have they ever lost a game in the JMA? I don't think so, man. I'm... They are undefeated <laughs> in the JMA. Nobody just goes into the JMA and comes out with a dub. Not with those officials. So what you're telling me, Jude, is that we're looking at a Kind of the same narrative as 2018, the last time these two teams played. Syracuse is a little, little, well, little high hope, on themselves. It's uh, hoping it's not the narrative that we saw in 2008 when uh, Notre Dame should have won that game, but they were such a mid-league team they decided to fucking lose it to a coach who'd already been fired. <laughs> you know, well, dude, I, we that was in blue jersey. That was in blue jerseys in South Bend, which, and yeah. by the way, if we see those blue jerseys again, I'm gonna scream. We probably not going to see him against Clemson. Um, you know, we know from this season that firing your coach is all the rage if you want your team to start winning football games. Look at you know Jim Leonard up at Wisconsin. Nebraska suddenly looks gamey. Uh, How's that? How are you doing? Uh, work in progress. <laughs> you know, Mike seems to need the job, so don't let's don't not don't knock it till you try it. I guess, right? Beating a there you go. Beating a team with a fired coach. That's tough, man. Tough. Look, Syracuse, so, is, Syracuse has us in a position that they haven't had us in a really long time. I mean, even two and three, 2003 was two, five and six teams battling for the right to go five, six and six on the season. They were two not very good teams. And so we ha- we've had, you know, this inequality where Syracuse in 2018 was was certainly good, but they were not the level of Notre Dame good. And to the extent that. Syracuse fans got in their heads about the how good Syracuse was that year. They just I, I I don't think I ever worried for a second that Notre Dame was gonna lose that game. In fact, I took all action from all fake Syracuse football fans because I just not only full confidence in my team, but also no confidence in, in Syracuse. This year I feel a little bit different, which is I I I think Brendan's gonna say that this is an LRO LRO team and I understand why he believes that, but I've also watched enough Syracuse football this year to know that they've got the fundamentals of a solid team. And I think that they could definitely beat Notre Dame um, if they don't beat themselves. And we can talk about that um, in Brendan's why everyone sucks uh, recap here coming soon. How do you know it's going to be that? Uh, I, th- I, well, mean, I think I, it's going to be because I know a- how 
I know how many penalties the Syracuse have committed this year, and I know how many turnovers Syracuse has committed this year, and I just I have a sinking feeling you're going to mention both of those things in your in your uh, upcoming uh, analysis of the game. Well, before Brennan gets to that analysis, I I want to say very quickly. I mean, Syracuse is just mid. They are they are ultra mid, and you know what? So is Notre Dame. <laughs> I mean, just they are these are two mid teams. I don't look at it any other way than that. Well, I, I just Sy- I don't Syracuse think there's there's no way Syracuse ends the season with a war with the same or worse record than Notre Dame. I just that's not possible. So, well, I mean, they don't really record. I'm just saying like what you what you are as a team. I just think Syracuse is a mid team. Notre Dame is a mid team. He's just. I mean, you might you might feel differently if, if they hold Notre Dame to ten points on uh, Saturday, right? Well, I don't think that's happening. Okay. I don't think that's happening, and I but and I and I honestly, I would still consider them mid. I just would not consider us mid anymore. <laughs> right. And and Jude, I would say before you get overly incredulous about about Syracuse not finishing with Notre Dame, um, Notre Dame still could finish like eight and four, and and it's real that Keith you're out of your finishes. goddamn mind. And I love you for it. I, no, I'm, no, 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 no. I mean, I like that. I'm not totally sold on. I mean, we'll see with you USC. Um, and I don't know what Clemson's going to be because um, I don't know if DJU's broken and if they're going to try and do that or if they're going to fuck around and find out with it. Notre Dame game. I, I don't know. Um, but, you know, Syracuse still has to play at Pitt. They got to play Florida State. They got to play Wake Forest. So those are some games with just the way that Cuse has played this year. I don't think that. Um, you can pencil any of the, you know, I, I think you can't pencil four of their five remaining games in as dubs, um, just sort of the way that the, the games have gone. I think Florida state's pretty gamey pits kind of gamey, but it's at pit. It's at AccuSure. Um, and wake forest is good, right? Do we think wake forest is good? The number 10 ranked team in the country. Are they good? Yeah, they're okay. I mean, we can throw the you football. USC, they're the number 10 team. <laughs> I don't think USC is great. I don't um, think so, no. <laughs> I don't think – they're not mid, but they I are not – like, I, I don't know who the top 10 teams in the country are per se, but I don't believe the USC is – is or Wake Forest are actually one of the 10, ten best, not even close. I think I sadly they probably actually might be. But I think, you know, Notre Dame would have been in that discussion if they could have figured out how to take their dick out of their hand against Stanford. Right. I mean, then you could have had a discussion about like is a nine and three Notre Dame team worthy of being a top 10 team at end season's end. And you probably could have said yes, because by season's well, end, you're going to look at that like seven through 10 range and be like, oof. That team's top 10. Yikes. I think that's what we're going to look at by season seven. We're going to look at the seven through 10 in the top 10. And we're going to be like that team's top 10. All right, cool. I guess. Cool. We'll hook them. Right. I mean, like half of the big 12s up there. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I think the big 12 is better this year than, than what has been what we've been saying before, I, I think they're actually pretty good. Usually, hey. I'm low. Usually, I'm more down on the Big Twelve than anything else. 
Yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, maybe TCU's legit. Um, they kind of are the, the flag bearer of the conference at the moment, right? This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so like, let's, let's lay it out, Brennan. All right, so just off the top, Syracuse is 6-1, and one, and they were leading at the half against Clemson, right? In fact, it was a two-score game at one point. So, so oh, yeah. I mean, they were, Jude, they were Jude's alluded to, you know, am I going to use my allotted time here to trash this seemingly good team? And the answer is yes, 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 I am. I, I am. I, if you want a knob polishing of every Notre Dame opponent, there are plenty of podcasts you can listen to, but not here and not now. Uh, this is the same, <laughs> this is the same Syracuse team that it is every year, except somehow they've managed not to lose three games to this point. Um, the, the great thing I, lo- I love about the ACC is they, they put onto YouTube Every team's game condensed into a 30 minute version on YouTube. So I've watched every second of every uh, Syracuse football game to this this point. Um, in some cases, every snap, times. every snap. Yeah, uh, multiple times in some cases. Um, so it's made it pretty easy to parse through um, and, and sort of what you the Louisville game um, was impressive in that. Uh, they beat Louisville fairly handily, and Louisville looked like hot trash. Um, we can take the Wagner and UConn games and basically put them in the dumpster because they don't really count as real football games. I don't think anyone should count. So you mean, sh- so you mean Sean Tucker's 241 yards against Wagner don't don't count? No. So now no. he's only about a a hundred hundred yard per game uh, back. Uh, yeah, yeah. Actually, in fact, uh, I'll get I'll get to him uh, with half of his yards coming against those two Jags. Um, but yeah, I mean, so the Purdue game, right? Purdue scores the go-ahead score with 51 seconds left on the clock. And then they get two flags for unsportsmanlike penalties after the score. So do you know where do you know where Purdue ends up having to kick off this football with 56 sec, 51 seconds left remaining, Joshua? From the goal line. 10-yard line. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it was right. It was, I thought it was it's, 15, but so okay. It's from their own 10. So so Cuse takes over at their 50, right? And then Purdue does a pretty good job slowing them down. And then Purdue commits defensive holding on third and 10 on an incomplete pass. And they get new life. And then they get a PI on another third and 10, which sets Cuse up with a shot to win the game with seven seconds left. And of course they hit it and the crowd goes nuts and they win the football game. But like they, they, they Bobby Brown themselves. 
just the ending of that football game. That's the kind of luck Notre Dame hasn't gotten in their clunkers. Right. Um, and that's also the sort of luck that Notre Dame got in 2012, right? It is the luck that Notre Dame got. Oh, yeah, oh because very, I mean, and like, like six games. If you look at Bill Connolly's <laughs> postgame win expectancy for the Purdue game, Syracuse comes in at 18%, which means 82% of the time when a team plays the, the, way, the game the way the Purdue plays, they win, right? And so by all by – all, you know, metrics that Connolly puts out, Syracuse should have lost that game, but they won. And so you did. you ask yourself, why did they win? And I think Brendan did a great distillation of why they won, which was a lot of fluky penalties at a perfect time. Right. And, but that's also sort of why Notre Dame wins 2012 pit. Right. Which is just like, they don't call that. They don't oh, call sure. that two guys yeah. on the yeah. field deal. Right. <laughs> And but then you, you you put it to the next one, which I would imagine Bill Connolly's win expectancy is a little bit off. And and Jude, you've you've said that this Virginia game was one where you're you're like, there's no way that they were losing this football game. But it, I mean, it was it was like bizarro world because it just there was Virginia was terrible. And I, I, I kept tweeting, I, I kept DMing you guys during the game like, hey, I found the worst quarterback in the ACC. And, and, and of course it's Brandon Armstrong. Um, and he's been that this year. Th- that's yeah, been his maybe not statistically the worst, but he has to be bottom two. Um, if not, if not number one. And so Virginia is not a good team, but the problem was, and as my, my nine-year-old son pointed out repeatedly, why does Syracuse just keep giving the ball back to Virginia? And I was like, I don't know. I like the, like, a guy runs into the back of another dude and fumbles the the ball on a like a punt return or kick return or whatever. It was just like a comedy of like if they could get out of their own way, they were going to curb stomp this team and they just couldn't do it. And you so were they impressed had with Brendan Armstrong's 19 for 38 performance for one touchdown, one interception, 138 yards. It was it was weird because for the longest <laughs> time he was like he was he was like seven for 17 or something like it was Brandon Wimbush esque how bad it was. And, and the, and the, the number of yards that he had was so low. It was like he had seven completions for like 38 yards at one point. Yeah. It was like something just comically low. I remember thinking, I got to take a picture of this because it just, I've never seen a stat line this bad since, since like Wimbush did like an eight for 19 or nine for 18 or whatever he did, you know? And, and it was embarrassing because it, it was just terrible. It was terrible. And it was embarrassing because with five minutes left, they're down Syracuse is down in this football game, 20 to 19. Yeah. But there, and was, then, there was absolutely no way they're going to lose that game. I, but I don't, there was I don't, a way that they were going to lose that way. Cause, cause, cause Syracuse wasn't really doing anything to that point. And then on a third and seven with just under four minutes to go in the game, um, Schrader takes a, a sack that would have made it fourth and 13 that they probably would have gone for. But the who's defender who sacked him just like inadvertently grazed his face mask. He didn't pull it down or anything. His hand just brushed up against the face mask and they call the face masking penalty kept the drive alive. And this is why I say that, like, I'm not sure if they're going to win because they didn't go down and score a touchdown. Jude, they went down there and they had to kick a sad field goal to win 22 to 20 to win that football game. Much like we've watched Notre Dame do against UNLV last weekend, right? Which is like right, right. But Notre Dame scored forty-four. It's not like they scored. Wait, but not, uh, yeah, right. but not on, not on this level. 
No, right. in this well, level, we, the, a Virginia, Virginia still Syracuse scored a touchdown on that first I mean, drive. There are levels of bad to this, right? Like Virginia is a bad team, but they're not UNLV bad. No, no, no. But I mean, still, I, I mean, th- those are two games that they very like. Those are two games that if Notre Dame's luck would have been See, the, Notre the Dame lost is, those games. I have a real bad feeling you're going to dismissive hand wank away the NC State game because because Leary didn't play. But like I just how oh, can yeah. I not? So well, that's, yeah, that's, let's, that's, let's, how can you that. not? Because is that's that, their most impressive win, and it was against a sixth year non scholarship walk on quarterback who they beat twenty four to nine. Like, how can I not dismiss the fact that they had a six-year non-scholarship walk-on quarterback who came from Charleston Southern and and was like, you know what, I'm going to walk on here, or maybe it was it was I think it was Charleston Southern or some yeah I think it was Charleston Southern. He left there and he's like, you know what, maybe I'll go uh, slum it up at uh, NC State for a little bit, if for a sixth year of eligibility. Like it wasn't even a scholarship quarterback that Syracuse had to play against. Like, how can I how can I not dismiss that it was a 24 to nine game against a non-scholarship quarterback? Man, I just I mean, I, you just you're acting like North Carolina State only had one player. And once they had that one player done, I mean, O'Leary doesn't even have a great. What is your co- what is your co- so. But when it's your quarterback, it makes all the difference. Look, if Jack Cohn plays for Notre Dame, we're at worst five and one. Actually, I would love to, I would love to hear you talk about what do you think our record is with Tyler Buckner's quarterback right now? Um, hard to say. Oh, they beat, they probably, honestly, it's probably they beat Stanford. They beat Stanford because they still don't beat. But I don't think, or I'm not sure they beat BYU, no, they don't beat Marshall or, or UNC, right? No, they beat. No, BYU. I still think they BYU's do. trash. I think at this what point, about, he might have been able Tyler to Buckner's performance impressed you before he got hurt. That's what I want to know. Uh, well, I think Tyler Bruckner was good against those teams because those defenses were awful. And I think that the offensive line solidified significantly uh, between significantly. The, significantly between the Marshall and Cal games, specifically in the second half, they seemingly turned, flipped a switch. Um, and I think with his legs and his ability to run, I think the running game, him accenting the running game would have certainly um, allowed for Notre Dame to be in a better, at least be a win better. Maybe. Yeah. One, one went better. It's just, it's the Stanford game. That's it. I don't know how good he's going to be, but um, they would have been a win better. I, I just, I, I just disagree, but that's well, okay. I just don't see the how, I mean, I don't I mean, one. I just, that's not a, it, it's two different offenses anyways. And we have no idea how that offense with Buckner would look. I, and I'm not, I'm not defending Buckner by any means at all. And not, I'm just saying it's, it's two different offenses if they're running there. Um, between Pine and, and Buckner. And it's just, that's too, that's too difficult. They're, they're trash defenses. Notre Dame beat North Carolina and BYU with Pine at quarterback because those are terrible defenses that they that they were able to score on. So I, I, just, I, Brendan, I, I fully believe. Segues nicely into, which segues nicely, Brandon, into what kind of defense does Syracuse have? Well, um, so if we want to, skip ahead to the kind of defense that Syracuse has. Um, uh, let me get to my Q's defense section here. Um, I mean, from three, I mean, you'd think that uh, they've been kind of solid all year, um, but they've also played trash offenses all year. Uh, let's be, let's be realistic about it. Um, and what kind of offense does Notre Dame have? Uh, kind of a trash offense. This is a, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. But, but, just um, like seventh time, you kept trying to. 
where someone's just trying to explain like how other teams aren't that good, and you keep bringing up Notre Dame as comparison. No one's well, here, here's the really problem, comparing Josh, that right now. Here's the problem. We've all, the we've all just like we automatically from the beginning of this year marked this off as a, as a W, right? And I'm telling you that I've like I've watched as much Syracuse football as Brendan has. Right. Yeah. And I'm saying that I trust my gut on this and this is going to be a difficult game because Syracuse has a a solid defense and enough of an offense to to become a problem for. Well, here's what I'll say. And I'm not not disputing and I'm not disputing that at all. But it's just like any Brennan has brought up. You you know, you were bringing up 2012 Notre Dame. I get that. and And it makes sense. But it's like we're not talking about that. We're talking about the. The games that they play, like we're talking about Syracuse and North Carolina State, right? And why and that you game know what? was well. And, and here's if what I'll say: the, if the Syracuse 20... loses this game by ten points, I think that a lot of the the things that you said about about this team are true, which is that they were playing a lot of teams that frankly aren't very good, and that that six and one record was was a mirage. But I don't. Well, what, you can't you that, can't say that now. Do you think any team that they've played besides Clemson has been any good? Yeah, I think NC State's good. But I NC think State was down the quarterback that was their entire well, offense. You can, you can you can do anything. You can do right. this all day long, right? Oh, but if not for well, that's this, that's the quarterback. That's the, that's, that's not a linebacker. That's, that's, that's not a linebacker. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, quarterback. O'Leary, yeah, O'Leary drove other players who play who start that game and still have a good team, right? And, and, and you scored twenty four points, I, and and NC State scored nine. So NC State isn't. I mean. Once, once O'Leary, once Leary's out, it's that that's it. That's over. That's that's their offense, and that that's part of like yeah, look college I football. Mean, fu- fundamentally, somebody has has misread in Syracuse, and I think we're going to find out <laughs> Saturday, right? Well, no, no. So well, I'll, I'll finish. Well, my I, mean, thing. I mean, it just depends. Like, how good do you think Syracuse is? Well, so they have. I don't to, think they're trash, but I do not think that they're. I think they're I, a nine-win I mean, team. Well, let me let me let me lay some things out for you, Jude. Um, but it gets two. I mean, that, I mean, nine wins is different. Is, <laughs> their nine wins is different than somebody else's nine wins by far. So the 20, points, the 20 points that Virginia scored against Cuse were the most points that Virginia has scored against an FBS opponent all season. Purdue got to 29, which we'll get to in a second. I, I want to I circle back to that one. NC State only scored, um, you know, nine points. But, but like I said, that's the six-year walk on a quarterback. The Clemson game's a little bit of an albatross uh, defensively, specifically, because DJ Uyunglele did everything humanly imaginable to give this game to Syracuse. We're talking about um, Jonas Gray fumble against South Florida level stuff. He fumbled at the ten yard line and was returned for a touchdown. He threw a touch. He threw a. But pick I will say, I, I will say that Syracuse did do a good job of capitalizing on DJ Uyunglele turning into well, that, garbage out there. But that is that. Look. But right, but he also threw it. He threw an interception. At the interception. The guy, the guy fucking caught it. Like I know it's a low bar, but it's a bar Notre Dame has. Right, uh, right, 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 right. But Clemson, Clemson had red zone opportunities. Clemson had red zone opportunities where they took points off the board, and then in the second half, they proceeded to take the ball out of the offense's hand or out of the quarterback's hands altogether, and they just said, you know what? We're going to run the football. They threw the ball four times in the second half, and they came back, shut out Cuse, and beat them, which, good on you, right? They won 27-21. But the 27 points is a bit of a, a bit of a misnomer because 
the quarterback was essentially taken out of the football game. So for two straight weeks, the quarterback has not been a factor in football games that Syracuse has played. You throw in Wagner. Well, now we got another game and you throw in uh, UConn as well. And four of the games that they've played, the quarterback's not been a factor. Well, let's also throw in Virginia because Brennan Armstrong is six of nine and is one of the worst, according to Jude, uh, ACC is quarterbacks. That, is it possible that Syracuse is making these quarterbacks look bad? No. Okay. No, because Wagner, <laughs> Wagner, UConn, Brennan Armstrong's looked awful against everybody. Uh, Aiden O'Connell's looked pretty good all year. Um, and he's had the most success, 29 points. I don't think he's great by any standard, um, but he had the most How, success. What was O'Connell's stat? What was O'Connell's stats in that game? Cause that, I think Purdue, I think Purdue was much as anything else is probably the, the game to look well, at. Well, so let's circle back to that Purdue game because I think that this is something of note. Uh, before we you know, come back to the offense and what Notre Dame do to stop him. He was 39 uh, to 56 for 49 to 56. Jesus Christ. That's yeah. Not only that, not only that, here's, here's the big one for me that really, how many times did run the ball? 10? Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> maybe never mind. <laughs> I, but, I was going to start looking at that game, but do not. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a wildly upsetting game. They actually ran the ball 21 times for 61 yards. But um, so here's here's one thing of note. Um, when I watched the Purdue game, other than the absurdity that was the end of the game, is that the Purdue tight end, Payne um, Durham, unstoppable. He had nine catches for 83 yards, two touchdowns. Seven of his catches either went for first downs or a touchdown. That tells me um, yeah, was he was very good. They didn't have an answer for him. Anytime, anytime that they needed a first down uh, in all. How of was Charlie downs, Jones that day? Charlie Jones was solid. And you know who else made a couple of key, I think, third down catches? T.J. Sheffield. T.J. Sheffield. Yeah, yeah name from the past. Yeah. Yeah, Charlie Jones was 11, had 11, caught 11 balls for 188 and a touchdown. And I bring up yeah. Charlie Jones because two reasons. Number one. That'd be a guy like another name's team. But number two is because it's a fucking wide receiver that they're throwing the ball to. And again, we were, we keep talking about Brayden Lindsay running free. Cause he has been, we've had wide open wide receivers. who just have not thrown in their way. Or if they have, it's been long. It's been bad. So that helps out with that tight end production. Yeah. Like, so as much as, as much production as we're getting from, from Mayer, could it be, could have mean even more if he if there was someone side by side in the passing game helping out. You know what I mean? Could those yards be more? That catch be more rather than just like here's 12 targets. You're gonna get you're gonna catch eight, seven of them uh, for 100 yards and a touchdown. I, that, I that's think, like a running that's like a running back running 28 times for 130 yards and no touchdowns. You know what I mean? Right. I, I think when I but when I when I look at it, I you look at the people who they have to match up because I mean you still have to cover t- wide receivers. It's not like you can say here's my best corner. I'm going to put him, um, you know, I'm going to put him on a tight end, uh, all the time. Cause I mean, you still have to play assignment football. Um, so there was maybe a chink in the armor that you can see there with, with perhaps Syracuse might have some issues covering tight ends. Uh, we'll see how it matches up with Mayer. Um, I, or Mitchell Evans, or, <laughs> <laughs> or Mitchell Evans, um, because I mean, the, the, the best, I think the best, um, corner that they have is old, uh, deuce chestnut. Uh, that's the guy that's really stood out to me as being sort of like, 
he's number zero uh, for Cuse. He's the guy that when I'm watching the games, like Deuce Chestnut's kind of the guy that that sticks out to me as being their best corner. Maybe he's not. Um, he's only got one pick on the season. Um, but when I watch the games, I think I think Deuce is the one that they're going to probably, uh, you know, I don't want to see Mayer matched up with. And he's six foot. So uh, what's he going to do against, you know, six five Mayer? That's the other component of it, too. Right. So um, if it I, makes you feel any better. PFF, PFF backs you up on that. They believe Darian, who's the, Deuce, Darian Deuce. Chestnut is uh, the highest rated um player who's taken more than eight deep snaps. He's looked good. Syracuse. Like of yeah. Syracuse's defense, like most of it's like pretty nondescript except two guys when I watch it. Like I think Deuce Chestnut's really good. And I think Michael Jones is pretty good too. Uh leads the team in tackles. He's got some sacks. Um but they're also thin right now up front. Yeah their defensive line they would, they would, they would get they don't have a strong rotation and they've been, they got dinged up against, or excuse me, nicked up against uh, Clemson a little bit. I mean, that's not for nothing. Notre Dame's offensive lines are playing pretty good. It is kind of a body blow theory too. Um, So Judy, I'm going to, I'm going to do the offense real quick. And I want you to tell me if you see any flaws in my line of thinking, because I think that there is a uh, very easy way of, stopping them offensively. Cause ultimately I think what this is, is, is a race to like 27. Um, so just offensively, like when I look at this, this football team, everything is Garrett Trader. He is truly, truly, truly a dual threat quarterback. They, they design him a lot of runs. His, his first inclination when the pocket breaks down is to run as well. Yeah, um, and I just interject here because I think it proves your point. There's been so many times that it looks like there's going to be a sack, and he escapes for like a loss of one or no gain. Um, he's really good about getting back to the line and sort of avoiding those big, uh, big sacks, sacks. like yeah. big sacks, you know. Which is what you've been describing for Notre against Notre Dame, Notre Dame's opposing opposing quarterbacks all season. How many times have we seen? Uh, oh, here's a sack, uh, and then it's a four yard gain. Yeah. Right. So, like, but that, but so I that, think we're that, the that is that right there is ominous because Schrader can move. We've seen Notre Dame against not as not even remotely as close mobile quarterbacks. Uh, but we've seen yards. we've seen them against very mobile quarterbacks have a lot of success. Like with Drake May, I would say that they had a considerable amount of success with Drake May. You want to talk about stat yeah. padding? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't stress enough what Brennan just said. The offense goes through Garrett Schrader. Like, I can't yes. even imagine an offense, a Syracuse offense without without him in the game. So, yeah. um, you know, you get you get to him, uh, you knock him out. And it, I mean, we're talking about a totally different outcome here, I think. I mean, we're talking 2018. Yeah, we knock out the quarter. But yeah, so like, blood, I think it's a blood he blood was blood. before before this year, he was a sub 60 percent completion guy. He's now a 70% completion guy. I mean, is he having that Kenny Pickett season? I don't know. Um, he didn't look great against Purdue. He was 44% completion. And against Clemson, everything he threw was short. Um, in a lot of ways, like, he's kind of a scootier Drew Pine. Um, he's got to be taller than Drew Pine, though. Right? Yeah, he's a he's a taller, scootier. Yeah, he's... Uh, and, and built bigger. He's bigger, too. It looks like he's heavier. Yeah, he's six four. But I mean, like his as far as his gameplay, like it's it's not it's not like he is a a lot of his stuff to is is underneath stuff. 
um, and less, and we'll, we'll get to that because he, he, um, much like Drew Pine, and this is why I say it, he has one real pass catcher that he has eyes for, and he only oh, has yeah. eyes for, um, yeah, yeah. Rondé Gadsden. Uh, that's it. It's uh, it's Gadsden, <laughs> and because he's got 37 catches for 500. I was say, what, how many yards? does Tucker have out of the backfield? Uh, Tucker's got 28, I think. Uh, yeah. yeah. T- 20, so I was 28 say, for 216. It's 28. If there was only if there was one other guy I could I could think I would name was Tucker's a big safety valve for him. So. And that's it. It's it's yeah. Tucker on the and he's not averaging even ten catches per reception, which is real low. Um, and it's evident when you watch the game that he just he stares down uh, Gadsden a lot, like um, and that got him into trouble against uh, Clemson and the. Yeah, but round. Gadsden gets himself open too, which is he like does. you know, is, and he gets himself open downfield. And, and across the middle too. I, they've been doing a lot across the middle. I feel like. Yeah, he he he's like a deeper threat, um, uh, deeper threat mayor. <laughs> like the uh, wide receiver, if if we're looking at it. Yeah, I mean, um, it was, it's funny to see him categorized as a tight end because he kind of it, it kind of feels like a, a wide receiver to me more so than a tight end. But I guess if if I was doing like a comp, like maybe a bigger wide receiver, like a maybe like six. Oh. I mean, he's six five, so he's gonna get the chance. Yeah, like Claypool a Claypool or something. Yeah, like yeah. Claypool. Yeah, it gives me kind of Claypool vibes. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's good, but every other receiver on that roster is it is a. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. Bill Conley pointed that out. He said, "You, they only trust three people on this team. It's clear they only trust three people on this team. Like the the advanced stats bear it out. The the stats you're looking at bear it out, right? It's Schrader, Tucker, and Gadsden. That's that's it. That's that's the offense. And, and, so, and I'm not even sure if Tucker's trusted, man. Like so. Well, as yeah, for Tuck, the aforementioned Tuck, like. Because like his stats look good from thirty thousand feet, but then when you right, get into you, it. You, you pointed out that he ran them up against really bad teams. Half of his yards, half of his yeah. yards came against um, uh, uh, UConn and Wagner. Like yeah, my recollection was he, he was a no show in the Purdue game. Was maybe I don't know if that bears that out, but that's I was like he was in, he because was they were no selling shirts of him. Yeah, well, they were selling shirts of him in the, in the bookstore, and I was like, I don't even know. I, I don't remember this guy making one significant play tonight, you know? So he had 18. He went 18 for 42 against Purdue. He went 21 yeah. for 60 against Virginia. And this is why I don't think they trust him. He went 5 for 54 against Clemson. Like, yeah. I mean – and he, he had a long run against uh, North Carolina State. He went 14 for 98, which is pretty respectable. And North Carolina State's a pretty good defense. And even without the quarterback, I mean, that's still pretty good. But, like, in three out of four of the last power five games you played, like, the entire offense is centered around Garrett Schrader. Garrett Schrader's ability to run, which is huge. Garrett Schrader's ability to, to pass. But that pass game goes to Aronde. And like, if I'm Notre Dame, I am putting a spy on Schrader. I'm bracketing um, Gadsden, and I'm just saying somebody else beat us, right? Does that sound? <laughs> yeah, good? exactly. Like beat beat me with Tucker and the the dump offs, and see if you can you can get more than three yards at a time, right? And you'll take the the death it's by just, a thousand cuts. I'm, lo- yeah. I'm looking at this right. It's Gatson 45 targets on the year, Tucker 36, and the next guy has 23, Devon, Devon Cooper. That's not and then crazy. you got Courtney Jackson at 19, 
Pena at uh, 14 and Alfred at 15. And that's it. That's, that's really just it. And, and none of those guys have distinguished themselves in any meaningful way. I mean, it's, it really is the Gatson Tucker offense, uh, you know, with a little bit of maybe Cooper. So if, if that's you can, funny. if you can figure out a way to just focus your attention on singular receiver and like, he might get his occasionally, but like, if you can limit him to like, five, six catches. I mean, how many completions is you're, you're suddenly talking about like the Purdue stat line for, for Schrader and you can win like that. Yeah. And yeah. when I look at these games, like my assumption isn't, it isn't like, I think Notre Dame's going to play at an A level and this team's going to play at a C level or anything like that. I'm, I'm just assuming that everybody plays at a B level game, right? I'm just, if, if, if Syracuse and Notre Dame both play a B level game, I think Notre Dame wins this football game by 10 points. I, I think Garrett Trader's good, but I don't think that he's Drake May, and I don't even think he's Jaron Hill. And I think that Notre Dame effectively shut both of those two guys down. I mean, Drake, I mean, Duke's Mayo got his, but it was a 38 to 14 football game before May put up 197 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, you were down by three scores before he started putting up his stats. They effectively shut down the two best quarterbacks they played this year. Are you at all concerned that, that Syracuse has had a very good red zone offense this year and Notre Dame, of course, has had a suspect red zone defense and then flipped to Syracuse has had a very good red zone defense, whereas Notre Dame I, – I think that Notre Dame in this case has probably been limited in the number of red zone offensive trips, but still not, not it's great. It's limited right? both ways. So I, okay. I, I'm not – like they asked Al Golden about that today about the, the red zone numbers. And he goes, um, look, the numbers aren't good, but it's not like we're giving up, you know, 31 points a game. Teams are scoring when they get there, but they're not really getting there. So I, I, I get that. Um, and, and it's not like Syracuse is getting to the red zone a whole lot either. Um, they're kicking a lot of field goals and a lot of, um, you know, they, they only have something like, you know, six more touchdowns in Notre Dame on the season and um, 18 of their touchdowns this year have come against UConn and Wagner. So um, I feel like Syracuse plays at a faster pace than Notre Dame too. Do you think tempo is going to be an issue? Maybe I, I think Notre Dame is going to want to, I guess it depends on what the game flow is, is because I think that both teams are going to, are going to be content keeping this game in the twenties. So, yeah, I, I mean, it, it's just like if, if for all the weekends for Notre Dame to finally come out of its turnover shell, this would be a great one because Syracuse has shown a propensity to give up the ball and Notre Dame just has not uh, taken advantage of that. Right. Terrible, terrible turnover margin this year. Not even But Cuse has a propensity to force turnovers. They have six fumbles yeah, yeah, covered yeah, in sure. seven picks. So, yeah. I mean, even though they've they've lost seven. They've still gained 13, so they're still plus-plus in the turnover margin game. So um, I think that that's kind of a wash. For, that's why I didn't want to bring up the turnover margin is because Cuse does a pretty good job <laughs> of turning it over themselves. I mean, they're averaging yeah. two a game. And I, you haven't mentioned it yet, but I did I did mention at the top of this conversation, like Syracuse and their dumb shit penalties. Like how many how many games were you watching where you were just like, I can't believe that just happened again? Like, I mean, that was the Clemson game. The Virginia game is what, like, the Virginia game was like, what are you doing? They had 18 penalties. The false starts, the, the um, holdings, right? Yeah, they probably should have scored like 50 against Louisville, but they had 18 penalties against Louisville. It was, it was wild. 
Um, yeah, but, the uh, you know, season opener. Syracuse now. ranks 130th in fewest penalties per game. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, the, the other the other thing too is Notre Dame has no love lost in um, uh, ACC officials, and especially playing at ACC stadiums. So uh, I, I'm not I'm not going to assume that Notre Dame is going to win this penalty battle at all. Am I am I wrong in being a little bit enthused that Pine is playing on the road just because he seems in a small sample size seemed to have played better on the road? No, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the whole team. Although I I mean, I got to be honest with you, playing in a dome is is a different. It's weird. I I understand that Legion Stadium is sort of like an enclosed atmosphere, but it's not. The dome is like it's not full on mausoleum anymore, which is nice, but it's still not. It's really not a place you would expect to see a football game. You know what I mean? I don't know how else to explain it. It's just it's a weird vibe. It's like when they play basketball games at Ford Field and you're like, what? What is this? Yeah. And and Syracuse Syracuse has that problem, too, which is like they set up their men's basketball court in the in the carrier dome. And you are way fucking away from the action where you where you sit, which is a reasonable seat for a football game, but just a lousy seat for for a basketball game that was not designed with basketball in mind because they played at this field house that they had when the carrier dome was built, which was absolutely fine until Syracuse became like under Bayheim, like a legit deal. You know, that's when they moved. Right. So I don't know. It's just, I just, I'm maybe I'm guarding my heart a little bit, but I just like, I, I really need them to win this weekend. I'd like, I, I just, I'm, I, I want to make some really bad monkey paw decisions because I just really need to live here for another year. And I just can't stand fucking fake Syracuse football fans because I just I never hear from them. I literally never hear from them. I don't know anybody who routinely cheers for Syracuse football, but I know that I'm going to hear from every single one of them. So, after so Saturday, I guess my question to you, to you, Jude, is like like. I, I the, the game all, plan for Notre Dame's defense is to obviously spy, um, you know, Schrader and to keep, um, you know, Gadsden in check. Like that's, that's not a particularly difficult ask, right? Just to spy a quarterback and to make sure that. No, absolutely not. I'm just, where does it like, so that's the part where I'm just like, okay, where does this fall apart? Does, does all of a sudden they can't tackle anymore? You know what I mean? Like, it's just, how, how are they going to hurt me? You know what I mean? Like, how am I going to witness something that will make me wish I was blind, <laughs> you know? And so I, I get it. I, I think that the game plan seems relatively simple. And yet in, in seven games, the only people that really executed it was Clemson and they did it in the second half. Right. Well, yeah, um, I would argue Purdue did a pretty good job of it. Um, and right. Whatever the but not when it mattered. Some but somebody needs somebody needs to be accounted. Like if I'm you know Jeff Brom, I am calling the ACC offices and I am demanding to speak to someone (coughs) for how that ending (coughs) unfolded because that was that was lunacy. It was very weird, very weird. Yeah, Um, but like yeah, but but isn't this always what happens to ACC teams? Like every year, there's an ACC team that goes on a run of games. And climbs up there. I, I think of the um, Mitchell Trubisky well, uh, North Carolina team this is the one that always comes to mind. It's like you look at that team, and you're like, how did this team win 11 fucking games? They're awful. Yeah. And then they played yeah. Clemson in the ACC title game and they got their doors blown off or whatever. 
Um, the ACC always has a team that does this, where they they yeah. win a bunch and, of close games and then either the wheels fall off or. I guess I I guess I do kind of fundamentally agree with your concept that this is a this is a smoke and mirrors esque team, because I honestly believe that if Syracuse lucked itself into a New York Six game, they would get absolutely pantsed. Well, and there's there's North Carolina, which I also think is a smoke. Oh. Like we we all agree. Like, are we all in agreement that North Carolina is a North Carolina is having the single weirdest season, I think, that I can recall. Are they going to uh, lose just, a game the rest of this regular season? Yeah. No. Well, that's, that's no. The, like a, so then then are are Herbie and the crew like hand dismissively hand waving the Notre Dame games an aberration or whatever, because that was a domination. It was domination. Yeah, and like, that was, that's what I thought. That, like that's the ACC. That's what I like when you're beating Purdue, you're kind of like mucking it up with Purdue and you're kind of like mucking it up with um, Virginia and you're kind of mucking it up with UNC and you look kind of good against, you know, uh, Clemson and stuff. But, but when, when I look at Notre Dame, I, I, I still, there's the two awful, awful, awful losses. But you played Ohio State close, which you can kind of wash with the the, the game against. And, th- and this is what when I compared the two teams, you can take the the Clemson game and the the Ohio State game, and you can say, okay, all right, fine, wash on that. Where is Clem? Where is Syracuse's North Carolina domination game? Where's the game where Syracuse put it all together, and they looked like they were just a dominant football team that could that could, you know. Yeah, I mean the opponents Wagner, but zero points for that, right? And I agree. Right, right. And and I think North Carolina is the game that gives me a little bit of pause of being like maybe it's a like you said maybe it's a road thing. I don't know, but like I know Notre Dame can be better than I think. Like if both teams play a B game, I think Notre Dame wins. But like I think your apprehension is like is Notre Dame going to show up and drop another Stanford F? And just to kind of like so think that put a bow on the. The North Carolina, North Carolina talk. First of all, Clemson's in the driver's seat for the Atlantic. They got, they have the win over, you know, win over Syracuse and Wake Forest. Clemson would have to drop two conference games to not make it to the conference championship game, which is not going to happen, no matter, no matter if DJ Uliangale is trying to give games away. But North Carolina right now is also in the driver's seat in the coastal, uh, with Georgia Tech and Duke. I mean, everybody's got two or more losses except for. North Carolina, which is, you know, got none. And their schedule is incredibly soft, you know, the rest of the season out. They play Pitt, Virginia, Wake. But even if they lose to Wake, they're still in the driver's seat. Even if they lose to NC State, they're still in the driver's seat. Uh, but anyways, I'm just saying, North Carolina is going could, as much as you don't, I mean, I fucking hate UNC. But that win, that dominating win over UNC, if they keep winning, like so, you know, let's say they beat Wake Forest, top ten Wake Forest, at Wake Forest, which I say I say at with emphasis, like like it's hard to go like <laughs> going to Winston Salem. Twenty thousand there, yeah. Well, forty thousand would be would be a, a it's like eighteen thousand, uh, isn't it? It's. I think Notre Dame's game was the record at thirty eight or thirty nine thousand. Oh, I could be wrong about yeah, that, but. But uh, at any rate, I think the overall point is we're kind of we know Notre Dame is not a a great football team. They're not a good football team. They are a more they are a mid, 
but we've seen them reach into the the they're they could be a, they could very well be a top 15 team that's playing like shit honestly Whereas, if this team came after a BYU I would say Notre Dame wins this game by 14 or more I just like they've 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 eroded my trust because of the Stanford and UNLV experiences 31-5 by the way is the uh is the yeah, capacity but I, th- I think the Notre Dame game set a record. I think it was like I think they went because they got the lawn there. I think they just kept letting kids in the the lawn back there. At any rate, you're right, Jude. Like the, after the BYU game, I think we saw we saw those wins. We saw that we we saw Drew Pine completing over 70 percent of his passes, and we thought, all right, they can put this together. Yada yada yada. But so I think I just think the overall theme of Notre Dame is. They're a top 15 team that that plays like shit. Uh, so, I mean, they're very capable of dominating most teams in the country, uh, but they're also very capable of losing to just about anybody, which they've shown against Marshall and Stanford. So, right. The St- and I, I just, I think that, you, I think we could live put it up against Syracuse. Think, it's, it's just tough. I think I we live in a simulation where we, we can honestly. Not a pushover. We could we could honestly beat Syracuse and Clemson and yet inexplicably lose to like BC Boston College. Yeah. Don't yeah. say it. Okay. Okay. I, was, I thought you were going to say maybe. I don't think that you're wrong. Stuff, I, I don't think you're hang wrong. Up like I think it's very real <laughs> that Notre Dame could beat. I think that Notre Dame could beat Clemson and I think Notre Dame could beat USC, but I also think Notre Dame could lose the Navy. Like I've been, I've, I've told you guys in the DMs, like I could, I see, I could see Notre Dame just like sputtering offense, like nah. just sputtering. They're, I could, they're, I could, I could see it. Even the, even if the offense sputters, that defense is built. Like Navy is not good. Navy no. offense is not good. Not, like, this isn't even close to being like mid tier But like, but like they're, poor they're, tackling no. and the like, I, I don't know. Well, there's I, no part of me that wants to watch a 16, six win over Navy. You know what I mean? It just like, no. Yeah, they're gonna muck it up. <laughs> that's, but that's gross. I mean, I, I'm I'm interested to see see how. I guess I mean, we all like, Jude. You, you didn't. Jude, uh, you laughed. You laughed pretty hard. I was just, Jude, you laughed pretty hard, and like, and and we're pretty adamant that this is not a a team that can go nine and three. And while I agree with you, in reality, this is probably not, this is not going to be a nine and three Notre Dame team. I'm with Brendan and like looking at this game by game and just kind of knowing what's now that we've seen a half a season from this, like they still can go nine and three <laughs> and it could be the the craziest shit alive. The, I mean, the key obviously is pine without question. Like it's just, it's going to have to click if it's going to be that way, but Clemson is beatable by, I mean, this is not a good Clemson team. USC is not uh, remotely as good. I think Syracuse is beatable. I think Clemson is beatable. I'm I'm not sure about USC anymore. I I the only thing I thought about USC is that is that it's, sort of, a, you know, it's an end of season game in California, which is not been Notre Dame's for even when Notre Dame is really good and SC sucks. I, mean, I feel like this is those this games seven and five, six nice. six kind of team. So, I mean that's I mean it is a seven and five kind of football team, but like. Yeah. I don't know. You USC is not great at stopping the run. That's something that they're not capable of. Of they're not very good at stopping the run, and that's something Notre Dame I think can sort of do against sort of the the worst rush defenses that they face. So uh, 
and I'm not entirely sold. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I've watched too many USC games, and I'm not like the East Coast people that fall asleep before they play and just check the the box score to see if they win. But Caleb Williams has not been great this year, man. Like I've watched Caleb Williams, and for four straight weeks, I've been less than enthused with him. Like he put up giant numbers against Utah, um, but like still sub 60%. And like there's stretches of games where he disappears and like against Washington state, 51% completion percentage, Oregon state, 44% completion percentage. Like I'm not been super sold on Caleb Williams this year. I don't know if he's good or good or great or not. Um, I don't know that they played particularly good teams yet either. So I, I don't know. Well, uh, I mean, they did beat Stanford. They did beat Stanford, and um, not everybody can do that. But they did give up 28 points to Stanford. No. And what kind of shitty team gives up 28 points to Stanford? Am I right? <laughs> 16 max. 16 max. 16 max. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, what are you doing Brent, over there? We got a pretty interesting slate of games, not to push us off the Syracuse discussion, but I am kind of excited about it. Do you want to get into this? Because I I, I threw Josh on the phone. Plus, I think it's a pretty important game. No, you're you're putting me on the fucking spot because you're you're trying to overtake my – you've overtook my lead. And now you're really trying to make me – now you're really trying to fuck me up. So so last week, uh, I came in at three and two. Was that was bad. Josh was a robust one and four. Jude was four and I was, one. Back I was in the, in the DMs like, this is the worst. Despondent. This is the worst week of my life. I, I, not even, not even just these games. Like so many others, I was wrong about. So many so others. We, like I so lost Brendan, my we ass our, last weekend. We won our TCU bet and lost our UCLA bet. Is that what happened? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. And I put uh, back in black. I put (laughs) you and me uh, picked correctly predicted UNLV to cover, which Mm -hmm. is tough to do, but turned out to be the right call. Was the right call. Uh, Josh is an idiot, but um, I saved you all from the the burning fires of Clemson. Right. You did. Did save us. Goddamn first quarter. Goddamn first quarter. And that Texas, you know, we would have made so much money if Josh would have just listened to us. It's just, (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was so right until the end. I was so fucking right until the end. Till the end, I know. Uh, so we'll jump into it. All right. So the most I'm not going to call them the best conference in college football because they're out of conferences. Whatever. The most interesting conference is, I think, the absolute best way it's to say it because there's no. They're my the favorite. The I've had conference. more fun watching this conference than I've had watching any other conference this year. That's the Big Twelve, and I think in 2020 I said like I haven't watched any Big Twelve because like none of their games were interesting or intriguing. This year the Big Twelve has been phenomenal, must see football. Fun. Um, last week Greg was all in the DMs. Mocking us uh, about the TCU, he was like, "Kansas State is a trap game," and he was mocking nope, us. Nope. And I, I was in fact, they were when they were down when TCU was down fourteen points at half. I was like, "No, no, TCU's winning this." Yeah, you didn't let up. We were, oh, he we was, were agreeing with you, and you're still. He uh, was in. He pushed no all the chips together on K- Kansas State on that one. Yeah, he did. 
Uh, <laughs> that was a real good uh, feels feels good, John Goodman. Um, yeah, so so Kansas State is hosting Oklahoma State. Kansas State fresh off that loss to TCU, undefeated TCU, and Kansas State is a one and a half point favorite against five or uh, one loss Oklahoma State. Yeah. So I want to go first on this. I just want to point out that we have picked Oklahoma State games for three. How many weeks have we picked Oklahoma State games? Um, I think three out of the eight weeks. Yeah. Yeah, because Oklahoma State keeps playing in really intriguing games with really intriguing lines. I've picked the mullet and the OAAN's t-shirt and the stunner shades three times, and I've been 3-0. And so <laughs> fuck it. Let's go for it. 4-0, Oklahoma State. And I get one and a half points. Is that what happens? One and a half points, yeah. Yeah. Give it to me. That's incredible. It's an incredible line. I think Oklahoma State has just been severely underrated by everybody for the last year and a half. Like they do not get they do not get the press they deserve. Uh, they get that Michigan State that Sparty treatment that like that man. It's mid teen Sparty treatment. You know, like 15, 16 Sparty when like I don't know maybe maybe Mullet Man's t shirt pissed off everybody more than uh, more than maybe a sh- more. <laughs> but I'm gonna go with Oklahoma State. I I don't think they need the one and a half. I think it's going to be like a ten point win. I'm going to be adamant about Oklahoma state moving forward. Uh, that's a, that is a team of destiny. That is a team that is, when they start breaking out the, the playoff rankings, that's going to be a team that's fighting for that fourth spot. I think it's a team that can hang with and with anybody in its conference too. So I, yeah. uh, they, they should get a rematch against TCU if they can win out. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, so I guess, I guess for me, um, like is Adrian Martinez all systems ago? Cause we didn't know going into the game against TCU. Um, if Adrian Martinez, we didn't even know that he wasn't going to be all systems ago. And then suddenly he wasn't, uh, he, he wasn't, we were counting on Adrian Martinez interceptions. We were, and we still ended up getting those second half interceptions, with, you know, uh, so, so no harm, no foul there. We got our, we got our pound of flesh. Othello, but you know, um, I'm also going Oklahoma state as well. I think Adrian Martinez is a game time decision. And even if he's not a game time decision, like if, if, if he's not a go, I don't know how much, um, you know, I'm really trusting in this Kansas state offense with Will Howard. Uh, and even if he's a go, I mean, why was he out? Um, so, so give me Oklahoma State as well. We'll we'll all lock in on this one. We're we're Team Oklahoma State. Uh, we picked them. We've had them in picks four straight weeks. This is damn good. near a this is damn near a cowboy adjacent podcast. That's I mean, how get, much we've been talking. Uh, levels for sure, and we can't beat oh, them either. So shit. we've made money off them, right? Because week five we had Baylor, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma yeah. State won. Uh, TCU, Oklahoma State, we we won money on them there too. I mean we've We've made we did we have them in week six? Baylor, Oklahoma State. We picked nice Oklahoma tip. State. Hey, it would have been could, nice we in week the, eight. We could have taken advantage of them playing Texas, but uh, apparently somebody messed that up for us. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, listen, we we could uh we could make this Oklahoma State uh, Jason podcast, and then I I guarantee you one thing, 
those reviews would get a lot more spicy. There'd be a lot of be a lot of cute shit in there. <laughs> Cowboys ride for free. Yeah. Be a whole be a whole lot of baby eating going on in those uh in those reviews. Let me tell you about this pizza place that I know down in Stillwater. <laughs> All right. So um next game is a ranked matchup. Like and I guess it's a rivalry game and it's ranked. And and you know, th- this week's not a great week. Um so we're kind of scraping the barrel. So but I do think it's interesting because how real is Tennessee? Tennessee is bringing Kentucky into town. They're a 12 and a half point favorite. Um, they looked pretty good against UT Martin last week, uh, following up the, the the post high of Alabama. And this is their first game, real game post high of Alabama. Uh, Josh, what do you what do you feel about Tennessee? Do you do you feel like up. I know you're on the I know you're on the Hendon Hooker train, but I'm a, I mean, I'm on the Tennessee train. Like I've been, a, I've been high on Tennessee. Not like, not like I'm about to be, but I've been high on Tennessee all season long. And of course, yeah, I've loved Tendon Hooker. I liked him at fucking Virginia Tech. So that's, that's why I keep bringing up his name um, because of that. But look, I think Tennessee is absolutely 1 billion percent legit. I think the, what is it? What's the spread? 10 and a half, you said? Uh, no, 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 12 and a half. 12 and a half. Man. Yeah, I, I, I think that's, I think that's, I mean, it could be 20, and I was going to take Tennessee. Yeah, they are playing lights out. Their offense is just clicking on all cylinders. Um, they, they're just, they're a good football team. If I had a vote, this would be my number. I cannot believe they are only ranked three. When's the last time a, a top, a top three, top five team beat Alabama and like just didn't bolt up to number one? I talk about Alabama disrespect. I mean, but it's I mean number two because Georgia exists. But I mean, you got to yeah, jump Ohio but, State. It's it's a little dicey. But I mean, yeah. if you but but if you look at it objectively, it should be Tennessee. If the college football playoff rankings came out after that week, it would have been Tennessee number one, hands down. Maybe, maybe. I mean, I, I don't I don't know if you um you know. I mean, o- Oregon's helping Georgia out right now, but uh, but remember, the first game of the season doesn't count. So does not. I just I I don't know. I like Tennessee. I like what they're doing. They seem like they are they're just absolutely cruising. I mean they've the last four weeks they've scored thirty eight against Florida, forty against LSU, fifty two against Alabama, sixty five against Tennessee Martin, which doesn't really matter much there. But I mean like they will score. And we, this is what matters right now. Uh Kentucky, I think they're a good football team. I think they are I think people are too willing to give them credit. Um, as an SEC East team, uh, but I mean they're a good team. But Tennessee's just going to roll them. They're absolutely going to roll them. So I like uh, Kentucky to cover here. I do not like them to win. Um, I'm also on the Hendon Hooker train. Um, I watched this game last year. It was a really fun game. I don't know if you guys remember what? this. Yeah, 45, 42 deal. Um, of course, Kentucky was up last year, and Tennessee was. Midland, I think if I recall correctly, but um, this game probably five, looks like maybe five, three out of four out of the last six years has been has been close. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think 12 and a half is a lot. Um, so I'm going to take Kentucky and, and lay the points. And I've been three and one in Tennessee games this year. So I'm hoping that my gut is right on this. I'm uh, I'm following Team Jude. Um Here's why is I think Tennessee is very good. 
but I don't, I'm not completely sold that Tennessee is that good. Cause like you said, they scored 38 against Florida, but they also gave up 33. Um, yeah, no, they're, this is not a dominating defensive t- team, but they do and, just enough. And their offense, their offense does twice as much. And Pitt had a chance to tie the football game at the end of that football game, right? They did. But look, Backup quarterback. I don't know if we would have used Pitt as an example for anything. We know this. But, I mean, I think Kentucky's pretty good. And, and I think Kentucky gets dinged because they lost to Ole Miss, and, and Ole Miss is pretty good. And they lost to South Carolina, which isn't great. But I think South Carolina might be a little bit better than everybody thought, right? I think if you if you look at South Carolina, I think South Carolina is one of those, like, sneakily decent teams. Um, I mean, they lost to Arkansas and Georgia that this year, and that's it. Back to back, yeah, they've they've been. They've, I mean, but they've but they that's all they played too. I mean, Georgia I mean, State, Kentucky, and Georgia State, State South Carolina State, right? Well, A and M, I'm not counting Kentucky. I will, but still, I mean, B and M's of note. Um, I think Kentucky can do enough with um, you know, Will Levis to to keep this game close enough. I I, I don't. I'm not saying that Kentucky's going to win this game. But I could see Tennessee winning this game like 41, 41, 41-33. 41-30, something like that, yeah. where they they managed to to keep the line close. Um, I don't I don't think Kentucky's going to be like a an absolute dog. Um, so yeah, well, uh, yeah, it's a lot of points. It is a lot of points. points. Uh, the next one. Speaking of a lot of points, this next one. Um, in a rivalry game, Michigan is getting 22 and a half at hosting Michigan State. All right. So I want to go first on this because I've got I've got beef with Michigan State. Tuck is coming. Um, I, be- <laughs> I believed in Michigan. I believed in Michigan State when they play Washington in week three. They let me down. I famously stood out in week six to take Michigan State plus 27 against Ohio State. <laughs> against Ohio State. They, did, they did not. They did not uh, hold up. Coming. And now I, it's like the, it, I, this game feels like 41-17 to me. So fuck Michigan State. I, I give me Michigan and I'll lay the points. I'm taking Michigan State because there is there is something about Michigan State that uh, – I mean Jim Harbaugh has a losing record against Michigan State – um, they have a losing record over the last uh, decade plus since 2008. Um, there is something about this game that Michigan State players, Michigan State staff, everything about it, Michigan State, just this is their Super Bowl. And when we say that about teams that play Notre Dame, um, it's 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 like that on steroids. There is no game that matters more in the course of any season than this game. Michigan State could go 1 in 11 and if they beat Michigan that's the only game that matters. Um and that's not hyperbole. That's uh, that's 100% true. That is 100% true and they're the only team to have been able to defeat Jim Leonard. Um and they did it in you know an OT. Um but they beat they beat Wisconsin uh 34-28. Um I just that's a lot of points for such a proud rivalry. And I know if, if it gets out of hand, Michigan's going to be more than willing to run it up. 
But I just think that there's something about this game where, like, I wouldn't even be surprised if Michigan State somehow upsets Michigan. That's just how this rivalry is. So I want to be careful here because I don't want this to be about spite. And yet, fucking Joel Klatt has Michigan number one in the country. And I just, for the fucking life of me, I cannot, how, how can that even be an argument? How can that even be remote argument with Tennessee and Georgia sitting there? And Ohio State. And Ohio State, but I mean, Ohio State aside, Ohio State aside, Tennessee and Georgia, how is Michigan number one? And he even had the, he had the fucking balls to bring up Ohio State strength of schedule and say it wasn't great. And that that Notre Dame just wasn't good, so it wasn't wasn't good enough to consider a good team. But Notre Dame isn't Colorado State or Hawaii what or did, what did both of the, What did both Fucking of those teams Iowa. do? To, what did both of those teams do to Iowa? Like Michigan beat Iowa 27-14. Like when yeah, you look at that game, <laughs> so right? what, what I'm saying here is is that I have a lot of spite right now, which is always high for Michigan. But it's just like it's even more because like there's. People are still talking about Penn State. Clad even said, I th- I'm really high on Penn State. I think they're a really good football team. No, they're not. They beat Auburn. Okay, and I even argued. I said, look, that's still not easy going down to the Plains and beating Auburn like that. And it's not. But it doesn't mean they're fucking good. But they, like, you just want to just keep I mean, you just keep on saying that they're good to make a point? I, I, I don't get it. Um, but I also – lean heavily on Brendan's uh, analysis about this game. Like, I just think Michigan state's, I don't think Michigan state's going to win. I think, but I think 22 points, I think they're going to muck it up enough. It's going to look, it's going to get dirty. Michigan state is a dirty program. They have been for fucking decades, decades. That never changes with the head coach. Half a century. Ever. Going back to yeah, like, that never, Duffy Doherty. never changes. It, they have been the, they have been one of the dirtiest programs in college football as far as just dirty motherfuckers out in the field to go take a bath. So I think they do enough uh, enough bullshit to muck this thing up. I mean, Michigan, I, I still think Michigan probably wins probably like thirteen points, but it's just going to be it's going to be dirty, gross. Now, I think with the Brendan scenario, I think Brendan scenario very well could happen. I don't think it will, but I mean it could. But this is just, it's just, it's just going to be a, it's going to be a typical Michigan Michigan State game in which Michigan wins. It's going to be kind of it's going to look ugly, but they're not going to win. I, I don't see a blowout. I mean they they beat Michigan in in 2020, which was inexplicable in, in Tuck's first year. Um. This is just what Michigan State does. This is just like, oh, well, they 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 should beat Michigan State, or uh, they should. It's what they didn't do last. It's they didn't do it last year, which caused problems. Like the 2017 season, right? Like they ended up winning that football game, and they had no business winning that football game. Um, and they yeah. won it 14-10 in the rain, and you know, you know, it's got the famous choke gif. Uh, I always appreciate. Uh, it's just what happens. This this rivalry is goofy, and for whatever reason, uh, Michigan snake bit by it. So now that I I picked Michigan and ruined this uh, play for us, and I picked Michigan State wrong all year, 
should I flip to Michigan State to reverse the juju, or would that just lean into the juju because I'm thinking about it? There's no. I mean, you're gonna until the picks are settled. Until until I press submit, you ah. can always flip it. Okay. You can flip it at any time you want. Okay, I'll give it some more thought. <laughs> <laughs> let, 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 uh, it let, let it marinate. Let it marinate. We're uh, not leaving. So, Jude, we're not leaving the state of Michigan. A good man, because we're taking a trip to the factory. We're going oh, over to the factory. Uh, huge game. On huge. the gray, on the huge gray fields game. of y- Ypsilanti, not Ypsilanti, Ypsilanti. Uh, just say, just say Ipsy. Where the bri- say Ipsy. Where the, where the, where the bricks are shaped like dicks. And. Uh, <laughs> and the river. You it's don't huge. Want to this swim is. In. It's a big game because it, it, it's it's deciding, um, you know, who's going to fa- who's going to lose the Buffalo in the MAC championship game. Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, but we could thank Buffalo for making this a big game by by uh, by their destruction of uh, of uh, Toledo. So, well, was a seven point loss, but uh, thinking for the win anyways. Eastern's Eastern Michigan, been yeah, hosting Toledo. Eastern yeah. is a seven point home dog. Josh, this is your game. Tell me how so, Eastern can win. Well, so this is really this is really interesting, actually. The, the most interesting part about this game is actually kind of like a mind game being played right now. Daquan Finn, which I think many Irish fans know who that is, yeah, uh, for Toledo. He might be hurt. Daquan Finn is also probably the best player in the MAC. Might be hurt. So. They might be going out without the quad fan against Eastern, which would be, which would be fantastic. Uh, I'll, I'll take whatever. Hey, let's say Notre Dame. I'll take any win I can get uh, <laughs> up at the factory. Uh, but I mean, Eastern has just been—they've been a scrappy team all season. The fucking Buffalo massacre, notwithstanding, um, they did—they did fuck it up against Northern Illinois. But again, uh, injuries and and just just. Uh, it's a shit. It's a terrible game, uh, and Northern Illinois is not the Northern Illinois that I think a lot of people think of. Uh, so it was a is a bad loss. But you know where I'm going with this. I mean, I'm just gonna I'm gonna ride with Eastern here. They're getting seven points for God's sakes. If and if you're gonna give me that, and if Daquan Finn doesn't play, which we probably won't find out till game time, uh, I mean, I'll get look. Powell's been playing great. Um, I'm not sure about. Uh, I'm really not sure about the status. Eastern's fighting some injuries too, which is, which is big. Uh, oh, God damn it. Why can't I think of his fucking name? Jose Ramirez. <laughs> Jose Ramirez. <laughs> no. uh, fighting, uh, fighting a little injury there. I'm not sure which, what that injury is either, but. Didn't play last. He's, uh, yeah, he's got seven sacks in the season. All right. He's, he's been a stud. Um, and Chase Klein's been, uh, but a linebacker that that isn't accused of uh, of terrible crimes against humanity. So, <laughs> <laughs> and burning down SB Nation. Let's just give me Eastern. Give me Eastern the seven points. I'll take it. It's at the factory. Great turf. Maybe Taquan Finn doesn't play. I don't know. But this game right here will help decide that division. Uh, and then uh, then we get a we get a crack at uh, Buffalo again. 
Uh, I'm gonna make the simple. I I think old uh, I think Kato gets it done. Beats. Uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pick. Uh, I'm not gonna pick Eastern Michigan to accomplish anything. <laughs> Are you kidding me? No, but I mean in all seriousness, if DeQuan Finn plays this football game, this is easy money. If he doesn't, then it's it's good good on you because I don't I don't think Toledo's gonna win this football game either. So it really becomes uh, a question of whether or not. Uh, Dequan Finn plays this football game. And if he does, then Jude and I look smart. And if he doesn't, um, you know, Tuesday, uh, you know, we look like we're getting easy money because I, I, I definitely think that he, if, if he's able to play this game, Toledo wins this game handily as they have handled everybody in the Mac outside of Buffalo. Think um, of the I best player in the Mac times two. Like he's like, he's when I say, yeah, when I say handled, he beat Central 38-17. He beat Northern Illinois 52-32. He beat Kent State 52-31. And the best team in the MAC, he played close 34-27. So I think that if he's playing, they are unquestionably winning this game by double digits. If he's not, congrats on the win, Josh. Uh, Thank you. I'll yeah, I, I'm not going to front. I don't know either one of these teams at all. I I, just, I did listen to your analysis, but I instead flipped a coin and, and it came up Toledo. So I'm taking Toledo. That's how you that, even own a shirt. That's how, Ohio, that's how Ohio has. A, I'm sorry. The city of Toledo. Okay. They flipped a coin and we got the UP and they got the, Toledo. The trail is deep on this podcast. I mean, it's Toledo for Christ's sakes. What is wrong with you guys? So I, Universe- I mean, so, so, I mean, I love their zoo. Um, and for a while there was the closest. It's the North SMU. Um, so Jude's been tipping his hand. Uh, and I know he's been mulling on this one. The whole time. And I'm going to, I'm going to leave Jude uh, to pick last uh, for this Notre Dame Syracuse game. Syracuse is now it's only two and a half points. So basically what you're saying is, do you think Syracuse can win this football game? Joshua? No, no, no. I'll take it. I'll take it. Before you begin, though, I, I want clarification. Yeah. So DraftKings Draft opened up at, at three points, Notre Dame a three-point underdog. Yeah. But there were other sports books out there that had Notre Dame as the favorite by two or three points. Do we know why that happened? Was that a just a I, – I don't know. I, I The last season, I just sort of went off of whatever um, – the pre, not last season because we've been doing this for years now. Um, but the previous, yeah, cause year, there was a, there were several sports books that opened up with Notre Dame as a favorite. And I'm like, Whoa, wait a minute. What do you mean? They're a favorite. They're fucking three point dogs. And then go back and check. It's like, this is, I mean, that's a big swing. I mean, it doesn't yeah. seem like it, but that's a, a no, five point I mean, swing between sports picking, books is huge. Yeah. I, uh, I used to just go off of whatever ESPN had on their line, um, underneath, uh, ESPN, um, schedule right they put the right. lines on there or uh, actually uh, not the schedule of the score um they put the lines on there and now uh, because you know we're drafting it's like off DraftKings, and DraftKings two and a half so Notre Dame's a two and a half point um road dog so i'm picking notre dame um i think notre dame on the road for whatever reason i i don't know what the reason is i don't i don't want to chalk it up to the fact that that mass is costing Notre Dame those opening drive, you know, whatever the focus seems to be more solidified on the road. I think that perhaps that's maybe a coaching thing where there's less distractions and it's easier to get focused. 
I think that Notre Dame has played better in games where either they have been against ranked opponents, well, or against uh, opponents that have had a pulse seemingly, um, are not the favorite necessarily. I mean, they were a favorite against BYU, but BYU is a ranked team. So I think that Notre Dame has showed up better in bigger games this season for whatever reason. Um, They play to the level of their competition. And I think Notre Dame is capable of winning this football game. So I'm going to pick Notre Dame to win the football game. So give me Notre Dame. Uh, I mean, especially if you're giving us points without question, I'm going to take the Irish. I, Look, I'm not trying to be flippant about Syracuse. I'm really not. Uh, I'm definitely having fun. Definitely having fun with their fans because I think they're uh, overzealous fucking bitches, uh, and they definitely cry very hard when he called Dino Babers a coward, for which he is. Just speaking truth. But again, Notre Dame is just a a good football team that has not played well. But you know where they have played well is on the road. And Jude's point that the, the dome is a different thing is absolutely valid. And we have no, we have really no basis to go off of uh, for Notre Dame in that kind of setting, but we've seen them enough on the road. Like, and that's not a Notre Dame has played well on the road. His like over the years, like it's just the thing to get away with from school, from all the shit going on on campus. They seem to just kind of rally and do better. Um, I don't think, I th- you know, I think Syracuse is a mid team. Like the college, the on ESPN's, uh, College Football Power Index, Syracuse is the 18th ranked team. Notre Dame's 21. Like it's, it, like I think math is 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 fake and you know won't you well I will normally never use it. Other than the fact to say like, you know math wise, Notre Dame proves the point about that a good team has played like shit. Like they should be better. They just haven't been. And we all, I think, I mean, we all know the real reason and that's with the quarterback play. So can Drew Pine hit 65% of his passes? You know, I don't even need 70. Can he hit 65%? And I don't have the answer to that. I'm just going to shit in one hand and hope in the other that he does, you know, but I've been constipated. So maybe he does. Uh, Like Notre Dame runs the ball really well. I think Sean Tucker gets a lot of, I just don't think he's going to be as much of a threat as Syracuse fans would like you would like you to believe. Uh, I definitely think um, <laughs> we're going to have our hand, hands full, uh, you know, against the quarterback. But give me Notre Dame 27-19. I'll, I'm, I'll meet you halfway, Jude, between 17 and 20 uh, <laughs> or 21 or whatever. Give me Notre Dame 27-19. I I think that was the perfect mark, Brennan. It's the race to 47. And I think Notre Dame just gets there first and then sticks around. Um, I think you're going to have a fourth quarter full of nothingness. But what do I know? What do you know, Jude? I, I don't know anything. Um, you know, I, I guess what I'm hoping for is Syracuse's penalty, um, penalty problems to continue to dog them. I'm looking for a little bit of turnover luck that has escaped us all year. I'm looking for Drew Pine to return to the Drew Pine that we saw in UNC and BYU. I'm looking for um, the tackling to improve. Uh, I would love for Syracuse to have a, 
a, a case of fumbleitis like they did against uh, Virginia. Um, I think that Notre Dame can keep itself disciplined in terms of the penalties. Uh, I don't get a chance to bet this game because I live in New York and they don't allow us to bet on college teams that are based in New York. So my only way to bet on this game is to go ahead and take Notre Dame and the points and follow y'all. So yes, for a final score, are we really going to go this week with just Oklahoma state as a money play for us for a final score? I'm going to go. Oh God. Uh, 28, 24. It's a race to 27 boys. <laughs> oh man. I think 20, I mean, 28, 24 is probably like, that's I a legit score. If, if I was to pick a score for this football game, it would probably be around the same, like 28, 21, 28, 24. I just don't, I don't think any team is getting North of 30. Um, and if it does, then I think Notre Dame's losing this football game because I, I I do respect Syracuse, Syracuse's defense. Um, well, I'm but, saying if, I think if any if any team gets to 30, though, I think it'd be ND. I think Syracuse could win this game, you know, 20, 27, 28, 28 to 20 along those lines because of that. I think, but I think this Notre Dame's defense is a little more steady against that. I think Notre Dame's defense is more steady against that, but I think if a team gets to 30, it's because Notre Dame has turnovers. Um, that would be my only but concern. Who's more turnover prone, though? Notre Dame. Because okay. just just in, in the, the sense that, like, I, I trust Notre Dame to finish, uh, like, which team's going to have a positive turnover margin? Well, it's going to be Syracuse if I had to. Do it. Right. Uh, Notre Dame's best case is that it's a plus zero or, you know, that it's a, it's a wash, right? Minus one plus one zero. <laughs> well, that's been all season. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's been all season. Like, but, but I could also see an instance where like Drew Pine goes full bad Drew Pine. So, so I'll, the, the score being in the twenties has me feeling comfortable, but it goes over that. Um, so if Notre, if Notre Dame has a plus two turnover differential, Oh, then there's how's that, how's that, how's that game look? Um, well, they blocked two punts, uh, and they generated 10 points right. off it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess you don't really count the block punts as being turnovers, but they are, um, man, that's a lot of, that's a lot of hidden yardage, right? I, I mean, that's 40 I mean, yards more than hidden yardage. It's more than there is in a, like a pick, right? Right. It's a good return. Yeah. It's better than Syracuse. Uh, Syracuse is an excellent kicker. I really hope it doesn't come down to a. No, they do have an excellent kicker. Uh, that's something I didn't mention. I also didn't mention that. Um, I, re- Will I really Shipley hope it's not a kickoff. Sir- you know what I mean? Will like, Shipley and like Clemson between, ran between all over and, uh, Nobody else. How do you pronounce his name? Is it Smith? Is it Smith or Schmidt? Schmidt. Smith? a lot of in it. <laughs> Schmidt? Schmidt in group? If this comes out of Schmidt in group, I would, then it's just... Another thing to add to the two, because I'm in love with it. It's a fucking noon game. I love noon games. I, I absolutely noon adore games. noon games. People we don't have to it. have them. I, Josh, I, 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 don't, I don't think that, like, that we're not it, saying it every week. I don't know if it's getting the credit that it deserves, but your your noon game. What are you eating for noon post was my favorite thing on OFD all year. 
Uh, yeah, that was due on Monday. <laughs> that was actually an assignment. <laughs> I got, got the email today, like, oh shit. Well, I'm glad that you. I'm glad you enjoyed it because I don't I think anybody's it. commented on it. I loved it because, <laughs> um, like, one. Um, I think the I think the I think the OFD regulars, like when they see a crazy post bank anymore, I think they just walk away. I think it's red, but I I think they're scared to say anything. I I because I mean like every my college football Saturdays every week now, like without fail, it's a bloody mary in the morning. That's just every like that's been my tradition for 2022 is I've had a bloody mary with every single college football Saturday this year. And well, I don't, uh, I can honestly say I, I haven't had sex on any college football Saturday this year. Uh, and so I'm kind of willing that into existence with Ron Swanson in his red shirt. Uh, yeah. Just the, the, the bacon and uh, <laughs> well, yeah, that could get it. That could get it done. <laughs> just, just put that out in the universe that, you know what? I could deal with it. We, we could do that. Uh, yeah. If you listen to this podcast, go, go fucking go. Co- I, I ask like five questions. And like, let me know what you're look. This is a nooner. This is different. Like, I want to know what, how people handle this. We, everyone knows what they do. Two thirty games, three thirty games. And what you do for prime time. How are you handling a nooner? I mean, are you getting up earlier to get more of that pregame in or are you sleeping in? So that way you could just wake up and walk right on into a game. That's perfectly reasonable too. Uh, but I just kind of curious how everyone attacks a nooner. Walking up past 7 a.m. Like once in the last decade. So, I mean, I'm going to be waking up probably around 6 a.m. Like every day. Uh, and are you going to wake up and ch- Wake up and chug the seasonal Red Bull? No, I, I did see are that. You, are you going to head out to the woods and search a Bigfoot, but instead right. come home with a hall of dead things? I will say this. You spent, what, seven minutes searching for Bigfoot? Uh, maybe you <laughs> uh, maybe no, should no, no, spent no. a little bit more time. No, at 6.47 is when I began the search. I, I walked back home uh, at 7.31. Oh, I thought it was. Uh, so, so not quite 45 minutes. That's, that's it's dangerous in the woods. It's dangerous in the woods. I spent, I think, more time in the shower than I did in the woods with my chiseled body. Yeah, chiseled. I noticed that as well. That was good. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit. All right, let's 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 start to wrap this up. Jude, my friend, what do you got left in the tank? So I just want to formally invite anyone who's going to find themselves at the game on Saturday to our tailgate. It's uh, 35 bucks, 30 bucks. If you come find me, um, we're going to have 96 cans of free Guinness. I urge you to drink as many as you can, because we're going to have 200 people there. And I doubt that we're going to go through 96 cans uh, and also uh, state fair food. And I think that the cheerleaders and the leprechaun are showing up, but I, I wouldn't, if that's why you're coming, then I wouldn't guarantee that. But uh, shine underground student center <laughs> and uh, enjoy yourself. With the old, the old 9.30 in the morning New York State Fair sausage or hamburger or hot dog uh, before your before your noon kickoff. So we'll be going from 9.30 to 11.30. So uh, hope you enjoy yourselves. If you do come to the game, um, 
if you were coming for our, for our Hesburgh lecture, uh, our guest lecturer got COVID, so he's not coming. So um, scratch that one off your list. And I can't invite you to the Friday night uh, event at Coleman's Pub because we have reached capacity of Coleman's Pub, which is like an awesome thing to say. And we're going to have um, Father Nate uh, be a guest speaker. And apparently – Oh, a, fantastic. A football assistant coach is supposed to make an appearance I to be named later, I guess. But um, Tommy, I said hi. What's that? No, 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 it's, it's gotta be like, it's Chance definitely, it's definitely, right? no, 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 it's Parker. It's Parker. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. I, I, I talked to him. So, uh, and if you feel so inclined, if you are of the Catholic persuasion, you're welcome to join us at most Holy Rosary at 9am for mass on Sunday. And if you don't know what mass, most Holy Rosary is, it's uh father Hesburgh's home parish. He was born and raised in Syracuse, New York. So. That is the that is the lineup. Uh, DM me for all the links if you need to uh, get tickets or whatever. But happy to hook you up um, and love to see you all out there. And that's at NDJRS on Twitter. DM him. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You got the goods. I'll get you a ticket. I I'll cannot you tell you how jealous I am. What's that? I just can't tell you how jealous I am that, that, that you're, you're getting all this going and, and hosting it out for the, and getting to do it in your, your home, you know, air quotes, home city, uh, <laughs> not having to, to do it in like, you know, New York. Yeah. Ann Arbor. As much as, as much <laughs> as I hate, as, as much as I dread playing in the dome, I'm very thankful that this, this uh, game is an hour 15 from my house and I'm really much looking forward to it. And Hopefully we'll run it back uh, when Notre Dame comes back to Syracuse in a couple of years. And, you know, Joshua Brennan, you're always invited to uh, if you're situated. Yeah, this, this was not planned out well. <laughs> yeah. Because, I, I mean, I'm jealous on, on all accounts. Like, I want to be there. Yeah, me yeah. too. That's what I'm jealous about. And uh, I, I would have driven, driven you over to nearby Oneana for a, a slice of hot pizza with a cold cheese all over it. Ooh. Oh my God! Now, insult to injury. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! That would have been that. That needs to be done. That has to be done. Uh, we're gonna have to figure out a basketball game or something to make it up to. Yeah, because I'm, uh, I'm gonna have to go check out. Thirty men and women play January 14th and 15th in Syracuse, but I will guarantee you that will be the snowiest day in Syracuse uh, of the entire year because that's what always happens when the Notre Dame <laughs> play. It's it's guaranteed. The weather's always bad. Hey, I love I love snow travel. Okay, I love snow travel. No, You're invited. I got places. I got places to put you out. So. <laughs> oh shit! Well, I'm excited for you, buddy. I can't. Thank I, you. I, you're gonna have a you're gonna have a fun. Hopefully, hopefully a really. I'll send a note. To, I, I'm gonna send a note to Drew Pine, a personal letter. Yeah. Uh, that way, when game day, ask him about it. Uh, when we're out in L. A. and we're meeting uh, too. About be a four by six. Send Drew Pine a four by six picture of Braden Lindsay and on the back say, Don't fuck this up, sign Joshua. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, if I was him, I would take that. I would take that very well. <laughs> I mean, he takes hard. He takes hard. Brandon, what you got left to heart. <laughs> Brandon, what do you got left to take? Uh, Jude, do you want to switch your Michigan, Michigan State? You said you were going to stew on it. I'm locking in the bets now. Uh, sorry, I, I can't. Right, <laughs> I can't. That's fine. 
I just want to make sure before I press the. I appreciate that. It's uh, better that way. That way we don't have to worry about that being a, a money game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I love everything about it. Uh, okay, so yeah, I don't, I don't have a lot left in the tank. Um, you know, I just, uh, I got the pumpkin patch out of the way, uh, ready for Halloween to hit. Um, that's next. That's this weekend, right? So uh, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, it's uh, Monday. It's Monday. Monday. So this well, is trick or treating. Trick or treating for many towns is Saturday. Uh, yeah, which is another to... reason why a nooner is why a nooner is important. Uh, yeah, I think we trick or treat Monday. Um, yeah, so uh, it's spooky season. Uh, get your spooky movies in every uh, every year. I gotta continue to tell people watch uh, the thing, directed by John Carpenter, starring Kurt Russell. It's the greatest horror movie ever made. Um, it's very good. Do not waste your time with the movie Halloween Kills. It is an absolute travesty, and it destroys the, uh, uh, the whatever kind of trilogy they were trying to do. It was a fantastic. It was a great uh, remake of Christine. If that's what you're hoping to watch, if you're looking for a remake of the movie Christine, uh, Halloween ends is the movie for you. Otherwise, uh, just pop in uh, the thing because it's the best horror movie ever made. Spooky season. Watch horror movies. Watch horror shows. Chucky on uh, Chucky's been very good. Watch that show. That's good. A great movie to watch around Halloween. My wife and I always do is, is uh, haunted honeymoon. It's a hard find. We end up having to buy the, uh, the Blu-ray, uh, but it's a G- old Gene Wilder flick. Um, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's, it's basically like, it's in the same, uh, same realm as uh, like young, young Frankenstein. I like to find the campier stuff. So it's like, all gonna be campy um, and fun. So like Transylvania six five thousand. Yeah, just like that. I mean, Beetlejuice is another one, kind of campy. The yeah. So, anyways, Hot Hot Tonight is 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 fantastic. Just to, if you haven't watched it before, hurry up and order it up on Amazon because you can't stream it anywhere. But it, it it's a good one. Uh, um, well, 37 minutes ago, uh, while we're recording this, uh, it became October 26, which is young Dylan's birthday. He turned seven today and we gave him pretty much carte blanche. Like, what do you want to do? Anything you want to do, man? Just what do you want to do this weekend? Blah, blah, blah. So guess where we're going on Sunday, gentlemen. To your point, America's roller coaster. Now remember, now remember. Last year, we were up for the USC game to celebrate his birthday. To your point, oh, America's yeah. roller coaster. Kings great. Island. Let's bring some luck so, there. Dylan has shown Dylan's uh, destination birthday <laughs> is at Brothers in South Bend. <laughs> oh, my God. That's great. <laughs> We've gone there like three or four times, uh, like after hockey games and baseball games and stuff like that. He fucking loves that place. You know, it's big. It's and they, they don't really care. He just kind of runs around and uh, plays all the. Uh, he loves the bar games. So, I got problem on my hands because he's seven years old and he wants to go spend uh, his birthday at a bar. So, it is what it is. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> so I think we're gonna go do Sky Zone and then. Uh, hit up brothers, but that's where he wanted to go. Was brothers to be to turn number to turn uh, 
seven on uh, Sunday. So kind of odd. I'll be up on up at Notre Dame on a Sunday after a road game on Saturday, but is what it is. If you, if you see him there, buy him a cold glass of apple juice. Oh man! Happy Other birthday. than that, man, I've yeah, man. It's a, my wife's a, my wife's big on like month celebration type things uh, because she's always like celebrated her birthday that way, which is unfortunate for me. Uh, <laughs> so it's been it's been a month of, of fun for him. Um, I don't know, man. That that kid's something else. I mean, we've heard, you know, the listeners don't know half the shit I spill in the DMs to you guys about this kid. How's the it's foot? fucking wild. How's what? How's the foot? Foot's fine. Today it was that he had a leaf stuck in his eye, hmm. so he came inside and and he punched the door. I thought he was just mad about something. He's been getting really mad about things lately. So I'm waiting for him to like, he plays with 10 and 11 year olds and 12 year olds. Um, I'm waiting for him to beat up one of the 10 and 11 year olds. But uh, he came in and had pushed the door and he looked at me and he's holding his eye. I'm like, God damn it. What did you do now? Uh, you're, you know, this is the way it is now with him. Like what, what, what mark did you put on your body? He came home from school. Their name was a black eye. Cause he ran into a, to a wall. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he had a fucking leaf, dude. He had a leaf in his eye like it was a contact lens, and it took it took us a damn minute to get it out. It was the craziest damn thing. I'm like, how, how did this get in your face? And he still didn't kind of explain it. And it's just kind of the point now where you're just like, all right, the leaf's out and his eye's fine. I'm not going to ask any more any more questions. So, anyways, all right, well, let's get this dub, boys. Let's do Can it. You pick them. Let's get this done. I, there's no better time for you than getting the dub up there. And I'm telling you, these Syracuse fans are just the biggest shit talkers. I can't believe how much shit they talk. It is absolutely incredible. Uh, but to the victor goes the spoils. So let's get them spoils, boys. So for Jude, for Brendan, for everybody over at One Foot Down, thanks for listening. And as always, go Irish. <laughs>